It's the Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast where two of the hosts have been to the Augusta National Golf Club, which will become relevant as we go through this show. We are back for another week of Baltimore sports talk and much more. And we have to start, which guys would normally feel like one of the weeks of the year, a Ravens Patriots regular season game. But with the state of the Patriots, almost feels kind of blah. And I hate saying that. It's Sunday night. It, it's a it's a huge game. It's Ravens Patriots. That's on the marquee. Hell, it's Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson. That should be on the marquee. But this Patriots team hasn't really carried their weight in the weight of this matchup. Banks, when you think about this game, a game the Ravens really should win. There's no reason on either side of the ball why they should not win this football game. Does it feel less important to you, or is any time you beat the Patriots or have the Patriots in your crosshairs, it feels big? I, I want to say that it feels the same, but it really doesn't. There's just not that gas. There's not that gusto, that that same um, – maybe it's because Tom Brady's not in the mix and we have all that hate for him, and um, I don't know. It's just like you almost pity the Patriots at this point. I mean, they looked horrible for most of that football game last night. They looked horrible for weeks now. Um, it's almost like we're kind of disgusted that they can't potentially give us a better fight. I mean, we'll see how the punches go on Sunday night, but, uh, with the way we, we, we kind of tore them apart last year when they were an undefeated football team. And then they're kind of limping into this game, having just squeaked out a last second win against the jets. It's just eh, like, this is hate month. This is rivalries. And we want these teams to be good. Cause that's what hate month is all about, you know? Um, and they kind of just look like a pathetic piece of trash at the moment. So um, it'll feel good to, to beat the shit out of them for sure. But I can't say that it feels the same as I expected it to uh, a few weeks ago. I'm going to say, I don't, I don't think anyone's shedding a tear for, New England Let's or make anyone. that clear. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't. We're not. Certainly no one not. is. I mean, I'm not losing sleep personally over it because technically, the Titans were the ones that really drove the stake into that. You guys started it. I know, Banks. You you were upset at that last year because you wanted that. You wanted to be that team that that put the put the that final nail in the coffin for the Patriots. But. I did. I wanted that badly. And by the way, when I said pathetic about this Patriots team, I'm thinking specifically of like. Principal Skinner looking down like he's about to squash pathetic. the Patriots like a buck. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, it's there is zero juice to this game. Like Taylor and I were talking about before we hit the the record button. It's like this would be a game where Baltimore is buzzing at one o'clock. The tailgate lots were were filled at one o'clock. You you crawl into work at eleven thirty noon on Monday. Like this would have been booze bag Brian. Out oh about. my god. <laughs> um, I mean, there's just, you know, yeah, there, there's, they stink. It's bad. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's gross. It's, it's going to be a rough one. Um, you got to feel for Jimmy's. I mean, they've been cultivating this war against new England yeah, as and we now, all like, have for years and years and years. And they kind of like goddamn Titans kind of took the, the thunder away from where we wanted to squash them and kill their spirit and kind of end their, their little run. And it seems to be over at least for the time being. And uh, like I said, it just, they're kind of pathetic. It's well, like, I think Johnny had even in, invited Portnoy and the guys down. He said, how about you guys come down to Baltimore? You know, we'll get you a table of Jimmy's. And I think Dave's response was like, I don't watch bad football teams. Like that, he's like, I'm not traveling to Baltimore to watch this Patriots team. Like you're out of your mind, which again, it's like, mm, 
kind of true. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't want to drive a couple hours to see this team. So, yeah, but, but like Taylor, like you were saying, like they, there's no air in this balloon. There's no juice. It's just – it's a blah Sunday night matchup where, where we expect – again, I mean, it's arguably two of the – two of the best Russian quarterbacks that we've seen in the last 25, 30 years. And, you know, you, you'd think he is, I'm sure that, that there are going to be some great graphics drawn up of each quarterback and, and, you know, and, and they're rushing and all that stuff, but yeah, it's, it, it's not there. And again, blame, blame new England, blame uh, Brady for leaving blame. Well, I don't blame him for leaving that, but yeah, it, it's all the blame is on new England for not bringing the, for not carrying their weight. I, yeah. I should clarify too that I'm going to enjoy every second of the game when we are beating the crap out of them. It just going into it and like I expected to wake up Monday morning after beating the Colts and being like, "All right, let's go get the Patriots. Let's go!" Like you know, blood boiling already, and it just you know I'm like fired up. I am fired up for it. It's just it's just not not to the extent I expected. Yeah, I mean the Ra- the Ravens are a, a touchdown favorite on the road in New England, which is just a wild thing um, to look at in in any state of affairs. This Patriots team has just not been good. Plainly, has not been good. They barely beat the Jets um, in a game where it seemed like they were just going through the motions. Uh, we'll use this time, Flacco. I mean, that was tremendous. So um, tremendous. While it happened in the first so half, tremendous. I, I mean, so he much was fun. he looked great. <laughs> he looked rejuvenated. Uh, he threw a dime to Jamison Crowder. You have had a great time on Twitter. It was really a nice, a nice thing to watch. But, you know, before that, losses to the Bills, 49ers, Broncos, Chiefs all in a row. Uh, they had beaten the Raiders, lost to the Seahawks on an awesome Sunday night game in week two when it really looked like Cam was totally rejuvenated and revived and, and was a guy that, you know, was getting some early MVP buzz. Like maybe Cam Newton is, is you know, can, can take Bill Belichick on a ride here without Tom Brady. And, and that has come to sort of a screeching halt. He got COVID. He has not looked great. They have no weapons. I mean, zero. Yeah. I mean, Jacoby mm-hmm. Myers looked pretty good on, on uh, Monday night. Understatement to be honest, it 12 yeah. receptions for 160 yeah. yards. And I, but I don't know if that's because he's good or because that's the only dude that is worth throwing to, because no one else scares you. Damian Harris is fine. Rex Burkhead's fine they don't have a lot of offensive pieces that scare you. And that is not good when you're going against a Ravens defense that is going to take Jacoby Myers away. I mean, they're going to take him away and they're going to take that running game away. And Cam's going to have to kind of figure it out from there. I don't see a lot of ways the Patriots threaten this Ravens defense. I I just, they, they, they aren't coming to me at this point, unless Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels just figure something out, which, and not to say they couldn't, but it hasn't looked like a team can threaten a good defense. Their personnel on the defensive side of the ball isn't terribly different than it was last year, and the Ravens ran all over them. And we know that the the, the rush attack has been diminished this, this season for the Ravens, and not having Marshall Yonda is probably the biggest factor in that. But um, with the Ravens somewhat finding their stride in the run game the last few weeks and just honestly just listless performances from the Patriots defense on their own, like – the Ravens offense should have no problem putting 30 on them this week. And it's really hard to imagine the Patriots putting up more than 20. So do the math on that. It just, it just doesn't appear to be a game that the it's, it, that's going to be terribly competitive. Um, and I hope that I'm not wrong on that. I hope that it, there's not any surprises, but that's every sign points to that. Now, the thing that I am interested by, 
and I don't think enough people are talking about it yet, is how did the Patriots get to this place? Obviously, Brady leaving is a massive part of that. But Bill Belichick, the GM, has been pretty terrible as a, as a uh, when it comes to the draft in the last five years, I'd say. I don't have the list in front of me, but they've taken some very questionable picks in the first round, guys that just really haven't panned out. And they just left the cupboard like completely dry. And that's, and you almost have to give Tom Brady some credit for seeing the writing on the wall there. And that has to have played a, a there. I mean, there's a whole myriad reasons why Tom Brady left, but that has to be a contributing factor is that this team's roster in, in the short and medium term was going nowhere fast. And he was frustrated last season with, with the way that things were falling apart, even when they were starting off 7-0, 8-0, whatever. And I think he saw a ticking time bomb, and that's why he's in Tampa, and that's why Belichick is struggling to get this team to 3-5 and five despite, you know, somewhat of a cushy schedule he's had. One yeah, of the, I mean, I think I mean, the best personnel moves, real quick, just to throw uh, a Terps uh, reference in there. Jace, he's turned J.C. Jackson into a really good corner. J.C. Jackson didn't look yes. good the other night on a couple uh, on a couple plays, and I w- I'm interested to see if J.C. gets matched. J.C. It, it, speed is not his thing. It is a, he's physical. Um, he you know play up and press and and do all those things. But if he goes against Hollywood Brown, I'll be interested to see if they take some deep shots because Joe Flacco was very comfortable in the pocket all night long against the Patriots for the most part, was able to kind of pick out Perryman and Mims and, and all these, by the way, the, the Flacco to, to Perryman stuff was great. I mean, it's just a Ravens bonanza <laughs> um, during this entire game, but, but well, the thing I didn't see, and then I do feel like the, the Patriots had in the past, you, you know, guys like Chandler Jones, maybe more recently, they didn't have anybody that was really controlling the line of scrimmage on either the run game or the pass game. And Lewis Riddick was commenting on that at least three or four times in a booth on Monday night was they, and it was one point talking about Chase Winovich that they didn't have anybody stout in the run game. And then no one that could get to the quarterback. And that's not a good recipe against Lamar Jackson, who is really good in a clean pocket. And I mean, if he starts running, it's kind of over. So yeah, I, I just don't see the, 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 like the, the, they're good in the back end for sure in the secondary for the most part, but I just don't see the, the, st- the line of scrimmage on the defensive side that, that worries yeah. me against Lamar. Yeah. And I've, I've really, I pulled up the list here of their draft picks and it really goes back to like 2014 bill check. He's just made some really crummy draft picks. I mean, their first round picks have been Dominic easily in 2014. He was a complete bust. Uh, Malcolm Brown, another D tackle. Um, not a lot there to his name. Is that um, when they had those receivers, Ken Brell Tompkins and, and those guys or. That may have been before. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not took that guy. I think here. he was out of Marshall. They took like, him. I mean, Cyrus Jones. Read him off. Cyrus Jones was their their first pick taken in the second round in 2016. We will get uh, to him. Only, they only had four picks in 2017. Um, Isaiah Wynn was was probably one of their better picks, but he's been largely injured injured since being drafted in 2018. And they also took Sony Michelle in 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 the first round in 2018. Um, last year they took to kill Harry. He's been pretty much a nobody non-existent. And then in the back ends of these drafts, there's not really a lot to write home about. Chase Vinovich was a pretty good pick in the third round last year, but none of these guys are really doing anything. And I think that Belichick really made a name earlier in his career as a GM, finding these guys, in these middle rounds, much like the Ravens have. And the Ravens are the teams that are really crushing these rounds. 
and the Patriots haven't. And that's why I think the two franchi- franchises are in the places they are now is that that Eric DaCosta has just GM'd circles around Bill Belichick. Obviously, give all the credit in the world to Belichick for what he's done in the past. He earned them, you know, both as a coach and a GM. But that whole the whole voodoo thing where the Patriots bring in some no-name free agent and turns them into a superstar – or where he he takes some veteran player from some other team like one thing that bugs me this is something that bugs me every time a player who is a name who's accomplished something this league gets cut by a team because he's either washed up or he's having uh issues with his behavior or whatever it's always like oh there's bill belichick with the binoculars or the Mm -hmm. the orange juice or whatever it is and like Who's the last player to go to New England and resurrect their career? Like Cam well, it, is the new case study in that, but like the whole aura of of the Patriots organization doing that, like there's no like Corey Dillon, maybe. Like I have no idea who the last name. I is. mean, it's it's probably Randy Moss. It's Randy Moss, right? Yeah. So like, and and they tried it last year with Antonio Brown, and that's the one that I didn't start on that because I was like, there's no way they're gonna go after him, and then they sign him. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, they did it with Ocho Cinco. They did it with Corey Dillon. They did, they Reggie, did it with Wayne. Like, Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne, he didn't even last at training camp. I think they did it with – um, who's the, the – the Albert fat... Hainsworth. Yep, there he is. Albert <laughs> Hainsworth. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's like you've, you've – there's definitely been some guys. I feel like there's some, another couple uh, a couple running backs. That there's this whole bullshit narrative that the, the, the Patriots can just pick up any player and Belichick will just – resurrect their career and they have so many guys who have been absolute busts that have just been you know they are low low risk high reward situations and you're supposed to miss on those more often than not but like they have struck out over and over and over on that front and like i'm just it's time to for everyone to just give up on that one like i'm i mean it, it, get cut. i don't want to see that meet Leonard Fournette. It was the same thing with Leonard Fournette right before the season started. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, pfft, there he is. He's going. Oh, he's, he's going, going to New England. He's going to New England. Yep. False. Yeah. I, I, this is going to be just. It's and and one of the other things that was brought up, and you, it speaks to the personnel. Went up to continue to break down every part of the Patriots, but there's just no game breakers. It just, I just keep coming back to the fact yeah. that there's no game breakers in the team, and and when you don't have a from team, a team that knows that knows having no game breakers at least at the school. yes for so <laughs> long and. Uh, you know, if Hollywood Brown doesn't want to catch the football, then we have one less. But, you know, th- they've just they've got to get somebody in there. I mean, and I hope they don't. I hope they continue to stink. But um, they've got to figure that out. Um, I think the Ravens will obviously back to be a little bit more full health. They lose Calais Campbell um, for at least a few weeks with the injury. I don't think that's going to factor in too much in this game. But um, obviously a guy that want to get back healthy. I don't think we've heard on Marlon Humphrey's status at this point, at least last time I checked, we hadn't, unless you guys have new information there. So we're, we're, we're still waiting to see there. But as we saw, the Ravens defense can perform admirably um, against an offense. I think is better. I think that, I think that um, Colts offense is probably better than this Patriots offense is right now. It's not saying um, a lot either, which is not saying a lot uh, with <laughs> Phil Rivers. And if Cam Newton plays to Cam Newton's ability, he could certainly be dangerous, but I, I I definitely didn't see it on Monday night. So we'll go around the horn. Uh, I will start with the predictions here since I normally throw it to you guys. So I will start. I think that the uh, Ravens win this game 33 to 16. I like it. Um, 
Ravens 31, Patriots 13. That's it. That was exactly what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 31. Just, we're just going to name scores right in the same range. Like, just go with yeah, give me four to 17. Just yeah. go for it. <laughs> Just it, see, me, there's just not uh, a me, ton me, of alternative let me, thoughts. Let me look up all the scoregamis and let's see if I can get creative. No, <laughs> yeah, give me um. There was what was the 1918 score? I don't know what it finished. Scoregams was that? Oh, it was the Cowboys Steelers game. That was looked like it was barreling towards the scoregami. Yeah, that's true. That's I don't true. Know what the um, was there? Give me, give me 35, 35, 17. Nice. 35-17. So nice. wins across the board. Nice. Wins across the board um, for the Ravens there from the boys. And I, I don't see any reason why it couldn't that, wouldn't go that way. Speaking of other football, boys, the Terps. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what a win over Penn State for the Terps. I didn't think we'd talk about a, a positive terms. I, I'll be honest. I, I get a paycheck signed by the university. I, I will feel free to say I didn't think I was going to be coming in here talking about the Terps beating Penn State. But boy, did Michael Oxley and the guys get it done. They go up 21 nothing. One of the most unbelievable things. Maryland has only beaten. This is the only third time in Maryland's history they've ever beaten Penn State. These teams have played like 45 times. The, the number in like the the like – yeah, like I going into, I think when Maryland joined the Big Ten, they were like what one in forty five. It was like the number looked insane. The the record all time. It looked like like a like a USC versus like a Penn State leads the all time series now forty three and one. It's unbelievable. Hmm. That's that's they at one point had won twenty four in a row. Like, and and Maryland's other two wins are are one way back in the day and one in 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 twenty fourteen where. You know, it was Franklin's first year. Randy Edsel declared the rivalry started, and then it was kind of all downhill from there. But what a the year after the the no handshake year. That was the no handshake game. The no handshake game. No, that they they won that That's game. The game they won, which okay. is one of the okay. swaggiest things really in Maryland history to not shake their hands and win. <laughs> if you don't win that game after, yeah. yeah, you don't do the handshake. That that may be a death penalty. You may uh, have to consider that. But this Maryland team. At, at, has weapons and the one that everyone was excited about was was Rakim Jarrett and he showed out two touchdowns 40 plus yards in the first quarter just burned just burned the Penn State secondary on just simple crossing routes and then just housed those those two balls not like he ran down the field and beat over the top that was here's the ball in space it was a little Diggs-esque when Stefan used to get the ball in space in college and, and burn opposing defenses. Talia Tunga-Vailoa looked fantastic. I have to shout out the Maryland defense, which has been much maligned for a long time and stepped up and made Sean Clifford's life an absolute living hell throughout that entire game. And as someone that went to Maryland and that now works in Maryland, I will freely admit that I have no love at all for Penn State, and that was a very, very satisfying victory. Uh, how did you guys enjoy it? I was I was working during it, so it's a different feeling. But you guys watched as fans, so I, I gotta tell you, I loved it too. Um, I echo pretty much everything you just said, and you pretty much opened the topic, and then you just you couldn't stop. You couldn't stop talking about it. You, just, you loved it that I much. haven't I haven't been able to for days. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, I I just I hate those guys too, and. Uh, for a lot of reasons and we don't need to get too deep into some of those, but um, 
it's just it's exciting to to have the Maryland Terrapins football team as a fan kind of like as an event on your Saturdays again, like a lot of times they win these sep- September games and you're excited because college football is back and you're diving into the, the Saturday slate. Um, they win these games, you get excited about them and then you, they just run into their first big, big test and they get blown out. It just seems to happen every other year. You know, last year it was that, that Penn state game at home. And we all know what happened there on that Friday night. And there was one when we were in the ACC where they started, I think, 4-0. And FSU came out and cool. injured C.J. Brown early. And, and the game got ugly. And Is that a 60 spot, right? Something like that. that it was, was ugly. Scene. We, we don't need to talk numbers on those two games. Um, <laughs> so we're used to, at this point in the year, having to just – like for the for the more casual terse fan it's like okay the maryland game's on i'll catch parts of it you know if it's close i'll tune in whatever um but i'm not going to stop my saturday for this for the maryland terrapins the way that they've played the last two saturdays are and the way that with with tonga viola running the show and what he's capable of it's stop your saturday it's appointment television if you're a maryland fan if they're like worth investing time in and watching, or at least that's what they look like again. And that's what makes this Saturday game so interesting is that they kind of have that opportunity to be tested yet again against the very toughest test, maybe in the entire country. I think Taylor, you might believe that they're the best team in the country. Um, so let's see what they're made of again. And if they're, if they get blown out, like, They've shown me enough where I think I'll come back the next week and see what they do against, I don't know, Michigan State. Or is that might be who's next? Um, I don't know. But they they look a lot like a team that's that's going to finish with a winning record. We'll see. But they look a lot like they can, you know, go 500 or so, which is a very positive step for a program they were hoping just to win a game or two this year. I mean, after after the Northwestern game, I think I texted you guys, or is Maryland going to win a game? Because, again, they looked – I mean, that opening night was disgusting. It was it was bad, and I think that, that put a sour taste in everyone's mouth, and it was kind of like a – I know we talked about the uh, the Principal Skinner gif. This that, that was the, oh, shit, here we go again gif. Like, <laughs> it was like, just let's get this season going. And um, But, yeah, I mean, the last two games, they've been fun to watch. Like you said, and a a win over Penn State and anything is great. And like you said, it's not a rivalry. Um, Penn State's whooped them for years. And for for reasons we'll mention, we won't mention, you know, the James Franklin, you know, that whole story with Fridge a couple years ago and next coach and waiting. So, you know, I'm sure that that left some people sour probably more on his his part. Um, Yeah, I mean – Again, they're a damn good football team too, Penn State. And the way that they went up there and just handled them. I mean, it, you, we talk about the Ravens, this kind of new-look Ravens, this, this new-look Terps team. Like, how, when was the last time we saw quarterback play like this? It's Daniel yeah. Bryan. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, yeah. it's exciting. So It's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. I, we were talking about it over the weekend, Brian. Like, he makes – and I might have said this last week, so I apologize if I was repeating myself. He makes throws – that Maryland quarterbacks have not made in a long time. He just makes throws that, and he's able to get outside the pocket and he's so calm. And I know everyone, everyone is now going to watch 
he's going to get compared to his brother, and it's mm-hmm. so obvious. The thing they both seem to have, and you've seen this in two as NFL starts, if anybody's watched him a little bit, these guys are both extremely calm, and that elicits a lot of trust in their teammates. Like, this Maryland team never doubted that he was the right guy to lead them. That next week or last week, he's just – he works so hard. That's everything that you hear, you know. We interview our, our – I interview our football guys on, on Hear the Turtle, our, the, our podcast in Maryland, and all they say about Talia Tungavailoa – by the way, for everyone out there, Talia, because uh, everyone gets his name wrong. It's just Talia. Not that hard to say. That uh, he just works so hard. First guy in the building after that Northwestern game, watching film, doing all the things you want to do. So uh, we saw that again this week. And shout out to uh, some local ball, a local Baltimore guy that continues to play well, Chance Campbell. I have to shout him out because a Calvert Hall guy, but a scoop and score touchdown. Scoop and score, yeah. Awesome moment for him. Um, just, a, just a really cool all-around win. And I think I, one of the more exciting things, um, because I'm a sp- uh, spiteful human, um, <laughs> is that a lot of these guys that the, the, the Terps just went up and, and pummeled are, are kids that, that – we're on Maryland's radar and, and we very well could have had, and we had some tough situations two, three, four years ago that, um, you know, some of them turned their nose up at the program and to have some of these local kids like, like Jarrett and um, some of these guys go up there and kind of beat the doors off of them. I mean, I love that. I mean, I love that. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a, it was an extremely cool feeling. And the recruits are going to see that. The recruits are going to see a game like this, and I think some of them already have that. Um, you know, Maryland's here to play, and Penn State, maybe not so much. For sure, and feel yeah, that's going to be a, a good thing for Mike Loxley on the recruiting trail. And as you said, it certainly gets harder this week. Ohio State is a juggernaut. Justin Fields is going to be a top five pick. Um, so, but then Maryland, as you said, plays a, a Michigan State team that's beatable, a surprise Indiana team. Then they play Michigan, who looks like the wheels are absolutely falling off of whatever's going on there in Ann Arbor. And then a, a rejuvenated Rutgers program under Greg Schiano. <laughs> um, so certainly wins to be had there. I, I would say you have you have three wins. You have three games. I don't know if Maryland will be favored against Michigan. I, I wouldn't. I would assume unless Michigan just absolutely capitulates, but re, they will be favored against Rutgers at home, and they will be favored against Michigan State at home, which is. Uh, and if they can win both those games, um, they can find a way to get to a winning record. So um, it, it should be interesting. And then you have that swing game at the end of Big Ten Championship weekend. We talked some college football in the, our interview today. And that's with our guy, Jake Bass, who's, as you said, you gave him credit at the end of this interview, Banks. Kind of helped us as a little bit of an advisor getting our show off the ground. And why he's able to do that is because Jake is a dynamite producer for the Four Play podcast, Barstool Sports's very popular golf podcast that has, I mean, they are just doing all these things. They've got the pod, they've got the, the Barstool Classic, they've got the videos um, with all those uh, personalities that you may know, you may not. Um, and Jake's a Baltimore guy, so we had to have him on to talk a bunch of different things. He was fun to have on. Yeah, no question. And this is big time golf week, as big as it gets. It's the Masters. Um, he's a Baltimore guy. He's uh, related to a very famous weatherman that's here in the city. So, um, a lot of reasons to have Jake on and we had to grill him a little bit about why he may or may not be a huge fan of the Orioles. Um, <laughs> that's sarcastic. He hates the Orioles for some reason. Uh, we ask him why and he'll get, he gets into that. And then, um, his role at Barstool, 
like Barstool and the Patriots, it's very Patriots centric, or at least it was in the past. And it's probably still is had to dive into that a little bit and just talk, talk about the Ravens in this big matchup this weekend. So um, great dude, you know, awesome producer. And he's been very helpful to us as we've gotten off the ground. So um, it's a fun lesson for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, and one of the things I, I love about like a guy like him is like, he's like rep in Baltimore all over the place. Like he is at all the, and like, he's a Baltimore guy. Like he's one of us, which is just always cool to have like in a company like like you kind of love that. And he's, he's fighting the good fight, uh, waving the flag. So let's get to our interview with Jake. Something magic happens. We're back here on the exit 52 podcast with Barstool producer, Jake Bass. Jake, I'll let you sort of rattle off all of the things you do at Barstool. I'm, I'm not going to do it for you. What I want you to do for us first, though, is describe the day that you've had today, because it sounds like it's just been wild. And I think that's a great place to start. What has your last, I don't know, 15, 16 hours look like? Um, yeah, so I've been at uh, Pinehurst for the Barstool Classic Championship, um, where I, I do production. We have two producers for foreplay, uh, me and Brendan Jones. So I've just kind of been filming the content, just been been in the mix, making sure kind of what I need to do gets ha- like happens, and then helping out like our great staff like Lisa, um, Nick, Ian, MB. MB says hi, Eric. By the way, my girl, um, and like just kind of helping everyone out, put on a <laughs> put on a golf tournament and a global pandemic, which this is we find we did it, you know, we did it. So. So shout out to our team. It's been pretty crazy though. Like 6 a.m. wake ups, early tea times, getting back late. Yesterday we did the podcast late. Masters week, obviously, we're pretty busy. So yeah. So this is somewhat of an end of a road for you. I mean, how far back? When was the first of the Barstool Classic tours? And like, what were some of the hurdles that you guys had to overcome? And uh, how did how did the how did the finish go today uh, after a long weekend? Uh, it was good. So we started. I want to say like May. Barstool Classic. We started at Pinehurst, uh, the sit number six course, and we added that June 22nd. Uh, obviously, we got delayed because of COVID, and Riggs was at Pinehurst, so we figured we might as well just kind of kick it off there. Um, and we had some hurdles. We had to cancel, I believe, Houston, Louisiana, and Mississippi. And then we added Pittsburgh, Ohio, and Detroit, I believe. Um, did all the stops, got all the videos out. Everyone's had a good time, got nothing but positive feedback. And then the ending was, I mean, it was stellar. We, we were worried. We almost, we, we, not almost, we ran out of daylight. We had these like screen projectors, like lighting up the golf course so people could finish. Two people were tied at four under. Um, one of the guys made a, a, like a seven, eight foot birdie putt to go to the, um, like the playoff on the cradle. And then guy made a birdie putt on the cradle. It was, beautiful time so, uh, everything everything couldn't it couldn't have asked for a better weekend honestly was that a birdie on the cradle because I, I think i tuned into the instagram uh live it? and uh no it was, it was like a, a short, it was it was par it was a short hole and i think all four people just hit wedges kind of in the dark and yeah. then i saw maybe some of the worst two putt efforts i've ever seen in my life oh yeah three of the well, four. dude those people were like so nervous like un- <laughs> and ironically enough so both of those teams played at Liberty last year. So wow. they both, both, both of the teams, one of them won Wollaston, which is Boston last year. And then one of them won Jersey last year. And they both went to Liberty and they both obviously didn't do as well at Liberty. And then 
you know, two heroic efforts on the Pinehurst number five and number one course, and then had a day on the U.S. Open course. So good for those guys. Yeah, no doubt. Um, now tell me a little bit about the four play podcast. There may be some listeners here that aren't necessarily, um, you know, stoolies per se that, that might not know what four play is, might not know what even the Barstool classic tour was. So, um, four play podcast, one of the best is probably the number one golf podcast on the planet probably has been for two or three years now. Yeah. What is it? How did you get to be a part of it? And, uh, you know, how did it get to where it is today? Sheer luck. I mean, I got sheer luck. So I, out of college, I interned for Pat McAfee uh, with Barstool Heartland. And then when he and Barstool kind of had their falling out, um, I, I was lucky enough to have an interview with Dave. And Dave was like, do you like golf? And as an unemployed 22-year-old who didn't like golf, I did what anyone else would do. And I said, I fucking love golf. <laughs> <laughs> and um and he was like, all right, well, Riggs needs a guy. So then I went to New York, talked to Riggs and been with Riggs for about two years now. Um, and the podcast has grown because him, Trent, Frankie, Lurch just like work their, like work their dicks off, you know, like it's nonstop with them. And I mean, this summer has been nonstop and they just, they just, they're, all they want to do is make content. Like every time I see Frankie, he's like, all right, like when's the next behind the greens episode and Riggs is always trying to figure out like when the next, like what we're doing with Riggs versus what we're doing with the Barstool classic podcast, Trent with the blog and all that stuff. So it's, it's not, it's nonstop, just golf content in any form you can Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, blog, all that stuff. So, and then obviously audio, it's a podcast. <laughs> by the way, so, it's a podcast, <laughs> by the way, it's, it's a, it's a golf podcast. You can check it out on iTunes, Spotify, whatever else you listen to podcasts on. Are you guys like strategically planning out like the year in advance or are you just going week by week and Buddy. just saying like, where am I going here? Buddy. Now we're going here. So like a great example of that is, so we did Wingfoot. Um, we had two uh, media media uh, passes, I'll, I'll call it. Uh, and Lurch and Frankie played each other at Wingfoot. And Riggs just got a text from like the superintendent, like, yo, look, we're having beers. Come grab a beer with us. And we're sitting there like this is like 10 o'clock at night. Like we had our shoot was done. We did all of our social, had the video. I was going to edit the video. Beautiful. We're just sitting there drinking, talking to these guys. And they're just telling us about their days and their lives. And Frankie's just like, he like walks over to me. He's like, dude, like we should just like shoot a documentary about these guys. And then like we kind of started spitballing, spitballing. And then he's like, and then the next thing I know, that Monday, I'm at Wingfoot fucking 3.30, 4 in the morning, like <laughs> filming like filming these guys. And then the next thing I know, Frankie and our other producer, Brendan are doing this for the next week. And then the next week they're just, they're like, all right, we have to put this out to Wednesday before, um, before Wingfoot. And it just happened. And that just like out of nowhere. And that video crushed. It was like, I think the trailer on Twitter has like 1.5 million views. And this was just something that like Frankie was just like, yeah, like these guys are interesting. Like, let's see what happens. And now that like, that's how a franchise evolves and, we're going to start doing more. I think we're going to do it at Torrey Pines and just a ton of different golf courses across America. So um, little things like that, you know, like the Barstool Classic. I don't think Riggs even thought like year two would be as big as it was and like in a global pandemic, but like nonetheless, you know, it's Jeff McFucking-Neal, like all-star. It's <laughs> just like I'm sitting there talking to him and he's like, fuck, I, I didn't win. I was three under. It's like Jeff McNeil. It's like a fucking, which, why is Jeff McNeil here? <laughs> <laughs> and um so yeah it's just 
it just all evolves naturally. And I mean, it's like credit to all them. It's hard work. Like Riggs always emailing. He's always on the phone. He's always doing something. Frankie's always doing something, whether it's like Dave or it's behind the greens or trying to help him and Brendan do like a lot of the bigger editing projects, like our travel series and stuff like that. Like Trent's always like on Twitter, active and all that stuff. And then Lurch is just selling drones. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. It, we definitely like to have fun. So, and it's keeps growing. So shout out to everyone who listens. And if you don't listen, you like golf, you should probably listen. Yeah. Um, had the pleasure of playing in both of the Barstool Classic stops uh, both years in D.C. And you, you just get a real appreciation of how much work goes into those things because you guys are out there at 5, 6 a.m. putting signs out on every tee box. And, um, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, gift packages and all kinds of content that's getting set up. And it's just kind of a nonstop operation. And I kind of stayed towards the end of the entire day both times. And, and Riggs is just – doing all these things and facilitating all these, uh, I don't know, happenings throughout the day and also making the time to shoot the shit with people who listen to the podcast. And I think that that's one of the coolest and most genuine things that I continue to learn about these Barstool personalities um, that I don't know if they're necessarily coworkers of mine, but I, you know, when I started blogging, there was maybe 25 people in the entire company. And every time I meet somebody, it just seems like, that authenticity comes out. And I think that that's what shines through on a lot of the videos and the podcast. Um, so would you say what, if for what, for how foreplay has gotten to where it is, uh, you've spoken a, a lot about how you got there, but what, what would you say is like the secret sauce of, of, of why you're where you are as a podcast? Damn. If I gave the sauce out, everyone would have a sick podcast. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, well, it's not just a podcast. Honestly, it's, it's a brand. It's as a whole. the brand itself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's the hard work, man. Like, like I've, I've been like Riggs's guy for two years now. I'm like, I've never not seen the guy like working. Um, I think it's, it's a, it's a combination of that. And then like, it's just like the knowledge and like the personalities, you know, like Trent may not be the best golfer, but like, dude, he can recall like the funniest shit in the world from like four or five 10 15 years ago when it comes to golf frankie is like the biggest wild card in the world like lurch and frankie is like back and forth is hilarious it's just like something that you can't like build like it's it's something that it takes time you know and something i always tell like a lot of people like even like my friends who want to do podcasts and stuff i'm like like you can't stop after 10 episodes like we just did our 300th episode like 300 episodes like you don't like you don't get that to where it is like without like stopping you know we've never missed an episode yeah. never like never missed an episode never missed promos and anything like that so i think it's just a matter of like the being together and like being buddies um i think that's kind of what they do best and then it doesn't hurt having a nice producer like jake bass to help out <laughs> even though i don't do anything i just i just do whatever they need me to do yeah you just hit, you just hit the record button right yeah all i do is hit record. <laughs> all i do is hit record and then magically it's just like on your phone that's all that happens <laughs> we've come to find that that's a, a more challenging proposition than some would think yeah, <laughs> some guy I... like walked up to me today he's like yo like i love the daily nines like you do a great job on those like you just upload them right and i was like i mean technically yeah but like <laughs> when Riggs is at pinehurst and there's zero wi-fi and he's like it's got to go up at eight he sends it to me at like 7 15 and then i have to export like the whole thing and it's but that's like that's the thing is like I, I personally like I'm someone who loves work like I love the grind like I love just doing shit like 24 7 so it's pretty good to be like around people who like like who do that you know like like people like 
this is like an, an easy compare or not comparison but like someone to talk about like big cat and pft like never fit like i've never like interacted with them but like you can just tell by their demeanor walking around the office like they it doesn't stop same with dave same with like kevin and feidelberg like donnie large willie like literally anyone at barstool like it's just constant work and like i mean one thing that's always like driven me is like i i've run our social for a while we have this kid zach now who like helps us out which has been awesome um but i i went through the dms and would post five six times a day and every dm is just like how do like how do i be an intern for foreplay how do i do this how do i do this and it's like you're like messaging me about taking my job so like (laughs) i'm gonna delete this (laughs) and then um and it just makes you realize like how lucky you are to have this job so sure it's, it's pretty easy to work hard when like you re- you're reading people wanting your job every day yeah now were you like you said you going back to the interview you had with dave um when he asked you you know oh you like golf and you hit him with a yes and like you said i, I mean i've seen you on instagram skateboarding and all that stuff and i know you're a big alabama fan and all that like that that doesn't seem to fit into the golf mode <laughs> were you like terrified like holy shit he's gonna like i'm gonna get found out that i don't know that much about golf or i don't like golf or were you like uh, i'm gonna fake it till i make it and and yeah just never I was bring more it up like the fake it till i make it like mm-hmm. google everything mm-hmm. um so like i so i growing up uh i mean this is like a, a baltimore maryland podcast i'm from baltimore I'm from pikesville um i belong to a, like a couple country clubs growing up um shout out chestnut ridge which like isn't a thing anymore like i think bonnie view which isn't a thing anymore but like I played golf like growing up as a kid my dad played golf my mom played golf so like I was like kind of into it but I just became like a basketball like you know like when I was a kid it wasn't like there wasn't really anyone there and like the Ravens I had the Ravens I barely had the Orioles we can get into that but whatever <laughs> and then like I started skateboarding and all that so like it just kind of fell by the wayside and then I went to Alabama where like first of all like my high school didn't have a, a golf team so I couldn't even do something like that and then I went to Alabama where like there weren't really like many opportunities to golf and I'm very like counterculture like whatever my friends like I hate and like all my buddies golf um but then since I've started working for foreplay you know like you just you just learn things like through osmosis and making promos and being like I don't know who the fuck like Lucas Glover is I don't know if he has a crazy wife and then like you just like google those things and then you you kind of have to learn on the fly um Luckily, our other producer, Brendan, who started in, like, February, I believe. He's a big golf guy. Uh, so he helps me out with a lot of that. And, like, fucking all praise to Riggs, Trent, Frankie, Lurch, all them. Like, they've been very patient with me, like, learning through this process. And I'm, I'm getting there. Like, I'm definitely getting there, you know. I made, like, a big Instagram post a couple weeks ago. I was trying to start golfing. And, like, I'm in the worst city in America to golf. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think you would text me like early on, uh, early during COVID, just as to what ranges you could even go to in the Baltimore area, and um, could definitely tell you're trying to grind and then try to find your way yeah. to like the whole uh, diving into the culture. I mean, even before we we hit record on this podcast, you were telling me about some parlays and stuff about who you like this week and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I could definitely tell that you're just you're not just diving in and, and liking it because like, it's part of your job. Like you've actually just kind of absorbed it and become yeah. part of it, which is really cool. And it's see. also like, I'm super, I'm super lucky in like the sense of like, I travel a lot for work, which is like whatever, but I've also been going, like, I, I was just in fucking Bermuda with rigs, like on golf courses that like most people like don't even know what, what it is. And like, you just kind of see these beautiful different places and courses and, 
you realize that it's like one of those sports where it's like, oh shit, like not only can and it's the only sport where anyone can do it, which means like anyone can talk shit. Like right. anyone can just be like, oh, Riggs swing fucking sucks. When like Riggs is like a pretty fucking good golfer. <laughs> um and like all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Like, especially like being at Pinehurst, like my best friend from college, like he's he's done like golf trips with his parent or his dad and his like his best friend from growing up and his dad. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm back at Pinehurst. He's like, go fuck yourself, dude. Like <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, just you want a putter boy hat, I guess. So at this point in your journey, like you've seen so much cool shit. What would you say ranks at the top of the list? Damn. Um, you know, Pebble Beach is really cool. Um, I've been so like I've been a stoolie forever. Like I remember I was at like a I was at some lacrosse camp when I was in like 10th, 11th grade. And these kids from Boston were talking about like Barstool Sports. So this must have been like 2010, 2011 or something like that. And so like I've been like a huge like Dave Portnoy like guy for like a long time and then like i think the coolest thing was to like be a part of the mulligan challenge and like be filming dave portnoy on like the fucking cliffs of pebble beach like that was pretty fucking cool Hmm. um and then even though i'm not a golf guy it's not lost on me the impact of like tiger woods and when tiger Woods like walked up to the guys at pebble beach and like i was just filming that and i was like five feet away from tiger woods like that's you can't beat that no like no you can't beat that um i'm gonna ask if you were there if you were there for that and yeah i filmed that i filmed that on, on my iphone the where are you station situation that that whole yeah. thing and <laughs> like just how you were set up and the fact that you got trent's face with that just like yeah kind of like just glazed. Um, i don't i don't know yeah like i mean again that's it yeah. was perfect it was it worked out so great and also also at pebble beach i got justin thomas to give me a fist bump and say we're all tight and i got that on film that's pretty fun. <laughs> oh that's big for you big yeah, it's big time for me that actually ties perfectly you mentioned tiger woods um i understand uh that there was a little bit of a controversy at uh Payne's valley a few weeks ago in terms of who may have greeted tiger or who, who may have greeted <laughs> rigs or or who said what and how it was the tone of it um and you kind of got cro- caught in the crossfire there uh Dude, i gotta i gotta start like keeping my mouth shut because like i like to chime in on the podcast like I, i'll say i'll text them links but when something's like big time like i was like hop, not big time but like, something that i know like i'll hop in and say something and at this point like so i'm editing we had a rigs verse going out the next day and rigs now we're going to play another 18 holes after so while they recorded the podcast i was working on the rigs verse and I heard them talk about it. So I hadn't heard Riggs' point of view. And so I was like, oh, like he was like, come over and tell your side of the story. Thank yeah, you. We're going to have the same one. Can you explain like what the situation oh, yeah. was at, in the clubhouse or whatever? So when we interviewed, we interviewed Jack Nick, or Riggs interviewed Jack Nicholas and Justin Rose. It was in like the men's locker room. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> Not a big deal. But it was sitting in the, like, like literally like Tiger's like taking a piss. Like, you, you know, like people are just taking pisses in the middle of an interview and so like they so they started closing they didn't obviously they didn't close it off for us because we're no one but for espn when they did their interviews and nbc did their stuff like you weren't allowed to go in the bathroom and it's the only bathroom like in this clubhouse and some people like turning tiger woods away and we're sitting there talking to uh one of tiger's guys and he just like walks by and he says like riggs what up and like gives him a fist bump and like obviously that makes riggs this day i 
could have sworn I heard like Tiger's guy be like, yo, that's Riggs from Barcelona Sports. And Riggs' side was like, he remembered me. So mm. it's still up in the air. I was tired. You know, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, it's, it's, it's a shitty situation because we'll never know the truth. But like, great well, chances are Riggs has a better memory than I do because he's just, he went to fucking Harvard, you know. But you do <laughs> think that he, Tiger's guy, who's a Robbie Mack? I believe had, it was Robbie Mack. Had yeah. said, oh, that's Riggs, you know. Yeah. But there's, dude, there's, I'm telling you, there's no fucking way Tiger Woods is not aware of who, who they are because at any time we are at the biggest tournaments, dude, we were, we were in Australia and he like, like, there's no way he wasn't just like these fucking guys again. Like, <laughs> like everyone else does. And like, yeah. he is a normal human being. I mean, he's like the greatest of all time, like yada, yada, yada. But like, He's a brain with memories. Dude, oh, if LeBron insane. James, dude, if Dave sat at courtside at every single championship game, like that LeBron James has played, like at some point he's gonna be like, all right, who the fuck's this guy? Like, why is he here? Yeah. Well, so. yeah, and Tiger, Tiger's memory. I mean, we've seen it at every press conference where he can recall, like, oh yeah, that second shot in 1998 on you know the fairway on the right side or whatever. So like, yeah. it wouldn't. I mean. You know, like 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 you said, he's a brain. He's a walking brain, pretty much. His yeah. guy could also just been doing him a favor, and it could he could have remembered him and just been like, "Let me make sure like Tiger knows what's but, coming." But no, but Robbie Mack is the fucking man. So we were at Wingfoot before that, and we were walking, following. I believe it was Tiger, JT, and Rob. I, don't, I can't remember who the third was in that group, but we were walking around, and Robbie is like a really nice guy. Like him and Riggs have interacted a good amount um like i was just talking to him about like the dodgers and the lakers and stuff like that and we like he was like oh like i'll see you guys next week like he 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 knows rigs like they have a, a relationship or a core he was helping frankie out with this chipping so he like, he walked up to us when we were like waiting in line for the bathroom like oh this bathroom line crazy like crazy seeing you guys here haha hmm. so like he there's no way tiger's just not aware you know so it's coming i i i got a feeling if there wasn't a global pandemic, I could, I, I would be surprised if like there wasn't already a sit down interview, you know, but obviously with times. Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, that's based off of nothing, but like my feeling, yeah, you know, just so um, we had the, had the five to 10 minute interview, I think maybe a year and a half ago, I would guess, yeah. mm-hmm. but that was kind of just like, that like, was, so that was funny enough. That was my first, we were talking about Vegas, uh, Brian, my, yeah first trip with Barstool was with Riggs to Vegas for the Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson match and the only time I wasn't with Riggs was for like the pro-am or whatever it was uh the celebrity tournament I guess if that's what you'll call it and I like set my alarm early I was like if you don't need me there like I won't be there and he like texts me so like I woke up like 6 30 and he texts me and he's like I got Tiger and I'm like (laughs) all right well that's of course the one time I'm not there and he films it obviously and that's one of my biggest blunders is like just not be. I mean, I couldn't physically be there, but I was like, "Fuck, like I'm not there." <laughs> Tiger so, like, Woods. Film it. It's Tiger fucking Woods, <laughs> and it's in the intro to our podcast and all that kind of stuff. So, and that was the first point of contact. Loud wow. Sean for Riggs's Christmas present has made a frame photo so like best friends, and it was him and Tiger. <laughs> um. Obviously, this is a big week in golf. Um. You have said that, you know, you're coming into the, I don't know, the golf world with the consciousness or whatever. Do you have some uh, some players you have your eyes on, some picks, some props, 
you had mentioned a parlay yeah. maybe off camera. Barstool Sportsbook app. Um, I'm going to be go. in. Oh, oh good plug. Good plug. Nice job. Nice job. <laughs> Easy. Um, shout out. I mean, Maryland's got legal. Sir, call my question too, soon, baby. So we did it. We did it. You know, I'm becoming, I'm literally going to become a New York state citizen like in the next couple of weeks. And I waited so I could vote for Maryland. Um, that's a company, man. Um, so I'm going to be in Philadelphia tomorrow night, which is Wednesday, um, for the Barcelona Sportsbook House. We're obviously going to be doing live streaming, gambling, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to responsibly be gambling with the Barcelona Sportsbook app. And a couple guys I like, like I love JT, Alabama guy. Um, I love JT. I like the sexy picks. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I love – Here's a sleeper for you, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> JT Pooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like JT, Alexander. I like John Rahm a lot. Um, I like kids to make the cut. That's nice. a prop on the Barcelona Sportsbook app. Um, I think Big Cat. I think Big Cat has a, a boosted odd of Tiger to win the Masters plus 10,000. Big <laughs> Cat's big. I think it's like Big Cat's Big Cat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll be doing that kind of stuff. But I'm excited to, like, enjoy the Masters. Last year, it was very stressful um, because it was, like, my first ever Masters. Tiger's, like, super in contention. Dave Fornoy's in the office. We're doing live streams and stuff. So now that, like, I'm kind of more in the mix and I, I understand the golf a little bit more, I'm excited to kind of have, like, my first, like, Masters weekend, you know. Sure. And it's it's the big cat's big cat boost. Tiger Woods to win the Masters was plus 4000 $10 max bet. Now it's plus 10000 So Barca Sportsbook app, gamble responsibly. There you have it. When you when is. you when you've gone to all of these places and watched guys, and you're becoming, I'm sure, more of a golf fan now and, and and love it. But these guys that care so much about it and how they react to certain things, has that been kind of fun for you to watch on the outside? Like I'm a, like when those guys meet Tiger, obviously that's you think that's a big deal. It's it's a but those guys were I mean, they were about to collapse. Or like when those guys go to courses that they've never been to and they, and they just are like in one. They're like, the Masters does that to people. Yeah. Um, like what well, has dude, that it's been like? It's like the same thing. It's like, like the same thing as like, I remember when I was like in like middle school, like I was in a McDonald's and I ran into Todd Heap. And I was like, oh, fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, a big deal. Like that kind. Yeah, it's a big deal. They it's called him the Heap. He was the Tiger of Baltimore. <laughs> Did you give him a yeah. Heap? Did you give him a Heap? Yeah. Dude, I was so nervous. Like, I didn't say anything, but still. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's super cool. Like, it's super cool that, like, Frankie and Trent and Riggs and Lurch, like, they can, like, turn their profession into something that they just, like, truly love, you know? And I think that's, like, what everyone wants to do. Um, and it's obviously super hard to, like, accomplish. But it's super cool to kind of see these, like, benchmarks and, like, be there, like, through it. You know, the podcast has been going on since, like, 2017. I hopped on in 2018. And to kind of see the evolution has been, like, astounding, honestly, and, like, like all, like I said, all credit to them and like everyone at Barcelona Sports, people who help us out. Like, it's just one of those places where you can just like get anything done if if you're willing to do it. You know, like the Barcelona Classic is the perfect example. Riggs was talking about it on Token. Like, he like he came with an idea and then they gave him the opportunity to do it and he's blown it out of the water. So I think from that aspect, it's cool for them to like, like, I'm trying to think of a really really good example, like. I, th- I, I, today is the perfect example, honestly. I think the culmination of like this whole pandemic and like doing the Barstool Classic through a pandemic and Riggs is 99 days at Pinehurst, the infinite amount, of, infinite amount of videos he's done at the cradle and played Pinehurst number two 
and for the finale to be on Piner's number two and to go to a playoff and happen on the cradle, like the video of him crying, like it's just, it's just like the culmination of all that, like must be like so fulfilling for him. And it's like awesome to see that happen because there's so many closed door meetings. You, you, like he's in with like Tom Pashley with Pinehurst and in calls with like sales and all that stuff to like get the stuff going. So like that, like that stuff's awesome. And then like, I mean, Frankie's dad was at like the Barstool Classic, you know, like that was awesome. Like Frankie's dad was there, like playing golf with him, like at Cherry Valley. Like, I think like that kind of stuff is like, for me, it's cool to see like that kind of stuff happen where like it becomes their real life too. You know, like Riggs's dude, Riggs's brother and his like best friend growing up were like in the tournament and his mom's here and his like sister-in-law's here with like his, his like niece and nephew, like that kind of stuff is like, as Rico Bosco says, like it's bigger than sports, you know? <laughs> so I think that's like, that's really cool to see like the personal achievements and stuff. I have, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm looking on here and it says you hate the Orioles. I don't know this about you. We don't know each other. Why do you hate the Orioles? Yeah, let, let's get this out. <laughs> yeah. That's a great right. way to dive Let's in. let this, 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 this. I just read, I just read the show notes I'm given by the boys and that's what I see. So yeah, let's yeah I feel right. like I've asked a lot of questions here. So I, we're going to, we're going to pivot here to the okay. stuff because let's big bass Baltimore through and through. So yeah, fuck but it, not I, got Orioles, yeah. I got a Baltimore tattoo right here. I got a fucking blue crab tattooed on my back at the Maryland flag in it. Shout out being 21, young, dumb, and full of cum. Like, what a fucking <laughs> tattoo, man. Um, so I hate the Baltimore Orioles. So I grew up playing lacrosse. So, like, as you already kind of have, like, that, like, vendetta against baseball. As did mm-hmm. I. As did I. And my dad, my family, we had, like, these awesome tickets at Camden Yards. And, like, I, I have nothing against going to a baseball game. Um, I love going to a baseball game, student ticket nights. Me and my buddies used to send those super hard. But when I was like seven years old, like, so it must have been like 2003, 2004, when like the Orioles were like, st- dude, I think Kyle Bowler was the quarterback. Like, I oh, hadn't God. really been going to like Ravens this a, games really. This is a Kyle Bowler free podcast. We don't speak that name around here. That's not a good time period for Baltimore sports. Exactly. Do we, do I we do, have to, I do, say, have, do we have to like, just at least give some some background here in terms of who your father is with, in regards to this story. <laughs> not really, because like, so gonna, my dad's like, like Marty Bass. Yeah, yeah, you have, my dad's like Channel Channel Thirteen, WJZ, like all that. All it's that a little jazz. bit of a Baltimore legend, you know. Some would say yeah. people know him. <laughs> um, yeah, and he, yeah, he's yeah. So it was me, him, my one of my best friends growing up, and his dad, and it was a pouring down rain baseball game. We were undercover like the rain delays over and we move like all i wanted to do was catch a fucking ball bro there's there's 500 people in camden yards <laughs> max like <laughs> max like the fact that we stayed there is just because like my dad and like his like friend just like wanted just a night to like have beers and like watch a baseball game with their children and so we move up like like seven rows like seven rows and they were just like you gotta leave like you you gotta go back to your seats you gotta leave and my dad's like, there's two innings left. Like, we're just, we just, like, there's no one here. Like, what's going on? He's like, I, I'm going to have to, like, forcibly remove you from the premises. And he was like, all right, whatever. Sounds good. We left. And he, and I told my dad, I said, you never have to take me to another Orioles game. You have to take me to every single Ravens game. Wow. From that point, I think in 2000, from, like, 2005 or 2006, I went to every single Ravens game until I was a senior in high school. I was at rain, snow, anything. 
Kyle Bowler, Steve McNair. I was at Joe Flacco's first game. I was at Lamar Jackson's first game. Um, Joey Jets. I remember. I just remember walking down the tunnel. Everyone was like screaming, Jay Flacco. Fucking Jay Flacco. Just going nuts. Like, um, and yeah, so I hate baseball. I hate the Orioles. I have nothing against them. Like, I guess it sounds that. like you do. <laughs> it sounds like I do. It sounds like, no, no. It sounds like you, you hate the, 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 um, the ushers. Yeah, the yeah. ushers. Yeah, which I've, I've heard that same thing from people where, like, as recently as, like, two years ago, where, again, they're, like, the worst team in baseball. There's an hour and a half rain delay. There's, there's, it's 11.45 at night, and they're still playing. And, like, people move up a row, and they're like, are these your seats? Like, I have to see your ticket. And that's when it's like, are you, which is just you serious? Like, what the fuck's going like, on? Be like, happy a, anybody's there. Be happy. In anybody. a yeah. dying sport, dude, like, a dying sport where, like, mm-hmm. you're struggling to get fans – and like, I don't know enough about like the Orioles to like talk shit about their organization, but like between us, I don't think they're like doing too hot. <laughs> and, and except, congrats, you guys got uh, Adley on that. That's pretty fucking sick. Um, I know like Eric's had a crush on him since the day he was fucking sure drafted. Has. Yeah, it might be more you. than a crush at this point. Started before he, when he got drafted. I'd say way before, way before. scouting him for a but, while. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like one of those things where it's like. I feel like the Ravens have always just like had their finger on like the pulse of Baltimore. And like, they've always been there from like Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, dude, like Torrey Smith, like even when he was on the Eagles, like he like loved his city, like those players, anyone like when Steve Smith comes or fucking Elvis Doomerville comes or something like, it just seems like those guys like buy into the culture of Baltimore and like, like the, like it's just like the fan base in the city resonates so well and then it's just like you got these guys across the street. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like what it feels like for me. I mean, Steve Klein, I think, in the early OOs. I can't remember exactly what he said about the Orioles, but it was some of the nastiest stuff I think I mean, any players said about a, a city he plays in. I mean, yeah. you got you got Aubrey Huff calling him a uh what is oh, a horseshit town oh, when he was on the radio here. Adam Jones got shit on a couple years ago because they asked him what his favorite part of Baltimore was. And he said, BWI when I leave. <laughs> and like, obviously like Adam Jones, if you know his personality, he's like, Oh yeah, I was joking. But I mean, you know, you got some diehard Baltimoreans who were I mean, like, came from San Diego. It's tough, it's tough yeah. to beat that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But I, I mean, it's, it's true because it's like the football. I mean, the football, like I remember my sister when she lived downtown was like, Oh yeah. I saw Steve Smith riding his, his scooter around the inner Harbor blasting closer by the chain smokers. And it's like, it seems like the, and again, it just may be the different sports and like the different personalities of them, like the baseball players, they're on that grind and they, they play 162 games in 180 days. And they, once they're done the game, they go home. Maybe, maybe not so much with the the newer players. Now I know you can run into Trey and a couple of the other guys out uh, before the pandemic at, at some of the local watering holes. But, um, no, it, it does. You can run into some Ravens players, too, there. I'll tell yes. you what. CJ yeah. Mosley wouldn't a get certain, out of A certain linebacker that we don't fucking pay. We didn't pay uh, that much. Yeah, Fun he wouldn't fact. let us play uh, Golden Tee. Get out of our way, CJ. Go to the front CJ bar. CJ Mosley, we were trying to play Golden Tee at Waver. Trying to play Golden Tee. Every Thursday night, and he would be there every Thursday night and be kind of in our space a little bit. Alabama Just, alum. With his couldn't, couldn't have been happier we drafted crew. him. Like, oh, yeah, no, sweet. When I was I was in Atlantic City for the arena football thing last year, and that's the same time that Barstow was having the pool party at in Atlantic City, and like literally standing in line for the bathroom outside at some pool party, CJ Mosley just standing behind me. I was like, oh, shocker that you're here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dude, what are the in Tuscaloosa, chances? In Tuscaloosa, I was at like a liquor store. Like my like, so he got drafted my freshman year. 
he was there the year that the kick six happened, the worst sporting moment of my entire life. And Ooh. I was like at a liquor store and CJ Mosley was, dude, I was in New York city. It was like a Saturday night. He's and everywhere. Was and I was like, bro, you got a game. I guess he doesn't have a game because he didn't even like play for the Jets. Yeah. But like, I mean, I think for me personally, I think it's for the Ravens, it's top down. I think it starts the GOAT, Ozzie Newsome, Alabama alumni. Um, <laughs> it always comes back to Alabama with me. It does, it does. But um, I think it just starts at the top of like him at EDC. I, there was like rumors Harbaugh lost the locker room like a couple years ago. when. Oh, Jason Lock and Four. Back. He was fired uh, at this time, what, two years ago, right? Yeah, they, they yeah, were, he was. Literally agreed to part ways. John Harbaugh was as good as fired going into Pittsburgh, right? Or out after Pittsburgh? No, I think it was actually after they won the Chargers game. It was like he just won this massive game, and you're telling me he's still fired? What the hell yeah. are you talking about, Jay? If you go back, if you do at Jake Bad tweet John Harbaugh, there's not pretty things said. I can guarantee you that. That's a great but, Twitter name, by the way. Oh, yeah. so on brand. I don't know I how you su- like, I suck so like much that Twitter. one. <laughs> I suck so much at Twitter too, but I that's why I truly think that's what it is. Like I think it's from an organizational standpoint, they just buy into the city. They I had like my prom in MT Bank Stadium, like all that kind of stuff, and Camden <laughs> Yards as like, and it, that's what sucks is like. I went to Alabama and then I lived in Indianapolis and I'm in New York and everyone's like, Oh, I want to go to Camden yard so bad. And I'm like, yeah, it sucks that we're kind of like wasting this sick ballpark. Everyone wants to go to. That's the so, thing that irritates yeah. me a lot of times. That it's just an awesome ballpark. It's the best place on planet earth to get a beer mm-hmm. and eat some oh. hot dogs and just like exactly the flag court or like the center field bar or like whatever, just like crab bag and cheese dog and some beers on a Friday night. It's nothing better than doing that with the boys. It's like exactly. literally nothing better. But the, the product that they put on the field more times than not has just been so so subpar. And the other part is the what you've said or alluded to is that it seems like the organization doesn't have a pulse on the city for a lot of years. I do think that they're changing the narrative little by little because sure. mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, built up, I don't know, bad impressions that people have of the world's organization in the town. I mean – the thing with the uh, the Super Bowl uh, week one 2013 thing was was kind of a black eye. I mean, it's come on, it's just crazy. Be just, we don't need to go down be that aware. path. Just be yeah, aware. like they had a game against the White Sox to play. Okay, yeah. like <laughs> so bad. What are we doing here? It's just little stuff like that that I think that they're starting to see, and they're changing some of the narratives. And it, you can't do it overnight. And uh, hopefully they'll get the next batch of Jake Basses on their right side in the future, but it sounds like they lost this Jake Bass. They did have John Wall throw out a first pitch, which is pretty fucking sick. <laughs> like, I can respect that. that. I'm like, yeah, I can respect that. But other now, than that, now, real quick, you said the kick six was your worst sports like memory. Yeah. That oh. kind of got a woe for me. Is Dude. that you, do you think, is that worse than, than the Billy Cundiff Lee Evans game? Like if you if you had the power right now to go back in time and change the outcome of one of those games, yes. Now that you say that, because that, that's the first one that came to my mind. Obviously, if you guys are Ravens it. fans, there may be another one, but I think yeah, that's I mean, gotta that's, be it. That's about it for the Ravens. I mean, that's, I, that's the only the reason I'm gonna say the kick six is because that was my freshman year of college. My sister went to Alabama in like 2008 to 2012. She got she had two national championships. That's like that was my freshman year. That team was fucking stacked mm-hmm. like top to bottom stacked 
And to like lose in that way, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, and I mean, that was just like the worst. I haven't, I swear to God, I haven't watched a, an, uh, an Iron Bowl since. I leave Thanksgiving in Baltimore every single Friday night or Saturday morning and I watch the game back in Tuscaloosa. Like this, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to take Amtrak back Saturday morning, go back to New York, watch the Iron Bowl without my family. I haven't watched, I have not watched because then I watched Alabama, Oklahoma Sugar Bowl, which we lost that year. And then the next year I watched Alabama, Ohio State, first uh, ever college football playoff. And we lost then. And I have not watched an Alabama football game at home since. Wow. I like the, yeah. uh, the commitment. I'm, it's funny. So I'm looking at the, the Alabama roster. They go by numbers, obviously. There's a million yeah. people on these college rosters. So they had two number ones. One was Alvin Kamara. Uh, a number two was uh, some guy, Reuben Foster. And Never number three is Derrick Henry. Number four was TJ Yeldon. Five, Cyrus Jones, Baltimore guy. Shout out uh, Gilman. Picked my Blake ass Blake. in basketball. I believe that. Ryan Where'd you Anderson, go to high school, Jake? Mari Cooper. Friends school. Oh, yeah. I know friends. I went to Calvert Hall. Oh, hell but, yeah. I, I went to camp at friends when I was a kid. I have to comment on this because you said you played lacrosse. There is no doubt a lacrosse angst against baseball. Oh, a thousand percent. Baseball. baseball is for weak people. Sorry, Brian. A thousand percent, especially in Baltimore. Like, yeah. Imagine, oh, for sure. No like, if, if you weren't at Lax Splash or Lax Max or yep. any of that, like, oh, yeah. yeah. You're fucking losing. What was your rec team? Um, we played in, can't remember. I was an LTRC guy, so I was playing Lax Splash every year. Lax Splash is one of the great, had the great, greatest T-shirts of all time. Oh yeah, the and like uh, like Lax Meltdown. Those shirts yeah. were fine. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of wish like I didn't like. There's no way I haven't grown out. Of them. I haven't grown since fucking seventh grade, like since I was in Pikesville Middle School, like. But yeah, no, there's definitely a vendetta, especially in Baltimore. Like there's always, been, I mean, even in yeah. Howard in Howard County, I remember no like there's high school the Speaking lacrosse of- kids and the baseball kids. Speaking of fucking Calvert Hall, like Jacoby fucking Jones is just like your coach. Yeah. Like, right receivers coach. Position, position coach. coach. Position coach. For like Jacoby Jones. Make I mean, moves. Yeah, the, guy, the guy so got to win the turkey ball. We got to win the turkey ball. The guy's so good. He, he turned the lights out of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. like, it's wild. That was wild. That was one of the most random things. It was just like, oh, Jacoby Jones is on the field in Towson at, at Calvert Hall. Just that literally did just like receivers. drop out of nowhere. And they're like, oh, out by the way. <laughs> we, need, we need to get him on the show and figure that figure that out. That is really our our thing we got to figure out. Get him on. And, but, yeah, so Cyrus Jones, I'll never forget this. School, he was so good. Friends school, not known for the athletic program. Um, and we played Gilman. So we played at Gilman. On that team was like Ryan Ripken, Cyrus mm-hmm. Jones, and then there was some like lacrosse player who was like uh like an X-Man for like UNC the next year. Like zero percent chance like my fucking five eight Jewish ass had any chance of doing anything. <laughs> Cyrus Jones, he didn't so he didn't play. He was he didn't play in the game that we played at Gilman. Uh, and Coach Saban had come to the game that they played before. So I was like heartbroken. He comes into Friends Gym, probably drops 42 points. Like, no exaggeration lefty could have been a division one basketball player and he they were up like 40 points and like literally with like 15 seconds left he just pulled up from half court and hit a jump like a a jump shot not like a a heave he's just like a steph curry like like on our logo bang yeah on our logo just shot it and made it and just like like what the fuck are you doing dude like and then he i mean he sucked for the ravens in my opinion but that's not here nor there he got there he got to the league he, did. he got there. I think he's a rapper now. 
No. Oh, no, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's all this. this. There's going to have to be some research done after this. But I'm pretty sure he's for effort. And I do remember his first pick, his first interception in college football was against Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M. Happy uh, anniversary, by the way. What's up? Was, the was that today or yesterday? I think, I think it was today was, or yesterday. <laughs> I haven't been on Twitter because of the classic. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, fuck that game. Johnny Manziel made a career <laughs> off of one. I was, I was just remembering, like, <laughs> I saw that tweet today, and I was like, man, I like, I really wish Johnny didn't win that game because then he would have turned into such like a, a little douchebag, like, piece of shit player. But whatever. no, I mean, he literally made a career off of half yeah, a quarter, of half, half a, he was, half he a was game amazing of in that half. Him and Mike and Evans a, and a Chick Fil A bowl against the Duke. Yeah, and really just because of the one play when he almost fumbled against Duke, that was really the. Do you know how many Heisman Do you know how many I mean, yeah, he's he was sick. Yeah, who else won the Heisman <laughs> trophy? I mean, what are we talking about? He won the Heisman. He was awesome. Yeah, like, so, week in and week out. I love out. the hatred though. I love the hatred though. That I was, was like such... listening to this, like, what are you guys talking about? Shout out LSU for being the reason that Mac Jones might not win the Heisman trophy. That sucks. He oh, was gonna man. hang Tough he news. was gonna hang five hundred yards on LSU. Easy. Saban yeah. was going to demolish that team. You're not wrong about that. He was gonna lay it on them. He was gonna lay it on them. Yeah. You just need Alabama to get to the finish line. There's only I was saying this earlier. There's five teams in college football that matter, and Alabama's one of them this year. Just gotta get to the end. Fucking BYU is one of them. How crazy is that? The Mormons. They are very good. That I mean, you could even back. argue that Maryland's one of them. Well, they're creeping up speaking, on people. Speaking of, speaking shout, about, out Loxley. Shout, shout out Loxley. Shout out Loxley. Shout out to Leah uh, Tungavailoa. Yeah. Alabama transfer. It all, it all comes, back. Alabama. It all comes, it all back, comes back, Alabama. back to Alabama. Dude, shout out Mike's, Mike Loxley. He got canned by Saban harder than any coach I think it's ever happened. Uh, no, he, he just went to Maryland. No no firing happened. Just, he just took the job. He just took the job. He has canned a lot of people. He canned the yeah. Dolphins. Yeah, he can. Yeah. He stepped over that guy while he was having a seizure. Okay, we don't talk. We don't talk about that year. <laughs> we don't talk. You know what, LSU fans like it never cease to amaze me. They're just always like, they just act like Nick Saban didn't win them a national championship. Like they right. just act like that never happened. They're just like, oh, Nick Saban's the fucking worst. Alabama sucks. It's like this dude won your program a national championship. Kind of elevated them big time. In arguably the hardest time in college football history. Yeah. Yeah, right like, there in that Miami kind of window where USC, yeah, all those teams, USC, yeah. like I mean Texas, like that was like pretty it, good college football. Great and in a and in a system where only two teams got to the end, and it was all based on a computer, like there was yeah. no playoff or <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 computer propelled Alabama to play Notre Dame. What a great <laughs> PCS was unbelievable. At one, I grew up a big Notre Dame fan. I remember I specifically had a journal. I was like maybe 11 years old where I was doing the math of like, okay, if Notre Dame runs the table and they beat this team and this team or whatever. So whatever year they started off like eight, no. And just the number crunching that went into that. And for an 11 year old to try to figure out who's going to win the college football national championship because of a computer system is preposterous it's just ridiculous i mean the computer system's like 10 white guys in a room being like who's going to make us the most money pretty probably much. yeah pretty much yeah. well that's just... sort of what the college football playoff is now too it is yeah it's yeah they college football now, playoff they three games out of it yeah 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 Jake, they do speaking Jake. speaking of is what's up no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say what's what's the deal with marlin is he good is he like is the coco done I don't have information on that, unfortunately. The information. Oh, what, what, why do we have you here then? 
Have some information. Yeah, yeah, information. Yeah, the information. Yeah. Come, on, the, come on, Black. The, the well is drying out. It's been a little dry this year because COVID. <laughs> there's less information to grab onto because of COVID. People are separating and they're staying spaced out. So information is not just flying all over the place for people like me to grab onto. So, dude, how about he just tweeted like, "Yo, I got COVID." That was I, we <laughs> talked about it. I think on one of these episodes, like I was just sitting here on the on the on my computer and I just saw the tweet and I like, like you know that that gif of i don't even know what it is it looks like the abominable snowman or something where he just oh where he's just like so confused yeah and his jaw just like drops a little further i had that moment with that tweet i was like holy shit why like this is a joke right dude that's like one of your boys just being like yo like i'm sidelined this weekend like i got covid but it's also like we were saying my roommate did that to me two weeks ago (laughs) yeah he's like hey uh i got covid uh so uh you can't come home <laughs> all right guess so, Ocean City. Yeah. but it was uh, just funny how like because he tweeted that out and again marlon being like marlon it's like wait is he is he serious or not like he's yeah, yeah that's the other thing around and then the like, ravens the ravens put out that statement like we have a player who tested positive and everyone's like yeah it was marlon we know but they didn't name him we were i was just scrolling up and down my timeline looking for something related to it like sometimes the statement goes out at the same exact time as mm-hmm. the tweet he or they're like, hey, let us release it. Out, and then you can and they're it. in the middle of like finalizing their statement and making it nice. And there's probably like a review process. And they're like, well, all right, guess well, we got to fire this thing off now. He definitely got the text and just fired it off. I was like, whoops. Dude, he's like the most yeah. casual. Like, I did not want to draft him. I, <laughs> I wanted Reuben Foster. Like, you cannot believe. <laughs> I was like, worked out. All in. I was, uh, yeah, worked out well. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, but yeah. He's infectious too. Marcus Peters is a punch guy now. Fuck. It's incredible. <laughs> my, some of my favorite tweets ever is when you're just like reminder what what the Ravens traded for Marcus Peters. It's I, I thank God every day for Eric DaCosta for absolutely bamboozling crazy. Los Angeles Rams. Not only did, did we bamboozle them, but like going in there and just stealing their souls on Monday Night Football last year was just incredible. Like, that was probably in the same month or so. Like that was his first. No, it wasn't his first. That game. the content I've gotten off of the a team in the NFC West and the Ravens owning them is incredible because we had the whole thing with Brockers and that was like whatever. But then like Father's Day came by and I got a bajillion retweets because I just tweeted out like, oh, I can't believe the Rams haven't wished Lamar Jackson a happy Father's Day, and it just like it's relentless. We just own the Rams and we're going to own them for another four years because we don't play them again. I love that. I love that for us. I love that for the fact that we're going to have to play Jared Goff in four years. <laughs> I don't know if he's still there in four years. Big contract. Big contract. Yeah. That's going to be so, tough. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the whole dynamic at uh, Barstool, Ravens, Patriots, we all know, especially me coming in in 20, late 2013, my first game as a blogger was a Ravens Patriots game week 16. I want to say 2013 and we got the brakes beaten off of us and I took a beating online about it, but there's a whole dynamic with the Ravens, and the Patriots. How much do you get with uh, some of the guys that maybe are on staff there or how much has that stigma kind of died down as the company's got big enough and moved to New York city and all that? I think it's still pretty big. I, I obviously like don't interact with like Dave or any of like the big, like Feidelberg or any of those guys. But um, a lot of the behind the scenes guys are from Boston. So like obviously big pay, like one of the guys at the Barstool Classic here, Nick Mulcahy, he's like a big Pats fan. So like me and him always talk trash. Um, 
a lot of like the behind the scenes guys are from Boston. So talk a lot of trash about that. My big thing is just like, I hate how much Patriots fans like hate Joe Flacco <laughs> because it's like he beat, like they just don't, they just do not talk about the AFC championship that, that he, he seemingly. The, my right. favorite thing is that they ran statistics and they would brag all the time about how Tom Brady never, ever lost a halftime lead like in New England, like every every way you could dice up the statistic, Joe Flacco was down in that AFC Championship game and absolutely what? smoked them. It was like the most ass kicking of a second half I've seen anyone give the Patriots and maybe any team give any team. Like Anquan Bolden absolutely bullied that team in the second half. And they just like don't like you just you're like all right, but what about that game? And they're like, well, the Evans dropped the ball. It's like that's not Joe Flacco's fault. No, not at all. Like that's not at all. Like, they're one the drop pass away from a, one less Super Bowl. People don't talk about Owen Daniels had the ball bounce off his hands. That would Owen have made Daniels. it. Oh my god! It would have. It was. It was, I think twenty eight twenty eight, and we drove down the field and Flacco threw a ball up high where only Owen Daniels could get it on third down, and it bounced off his hands, and we had to take a field goal, thirty one twenty eight, and then the defense, yet again, let Joe Flacco down. And let it drive down the field, and the Patriots won 35-31. So Joe what? Flacco has put the team in position in all four times he went up to New England in the playoffs. Should have been four zero against against the Patriots, and all those games were Dude, in New England, by the way. What a run of tight ends the Baltimore Ravens have had. Yeah, people forget <laughs> like, Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark, no gloves, right? Uh, We've had ben such Watson. a run of like Ben Watson, of like random, just like slipping plug in tight ends i love Hayden hurst like max williams yeah. throw back to that fucking pick i thought Shout he was out. gonna be a stud. Was minnesota like because he had like that minnesota. sick hurdle yeah that, sick. Sick hurdle. that draft we hurdled the the steelers to uh yeah to take him but wow. um that's just one of those things and i think in the office like there's not much baltimore's it's a small town like as good as the team is i think arguably the top three if not top two and if it's top two not top not number two like best organizations in football the last 20 years. Um, and it's just, a, it's still a small market team. Like Lamar Jackson is probably the biggest thing to happen to the city of Baltimore from a sports perspective. And it's like outside of like Cal Ripken, but like, it's like, even when Ray Lewis is there, another thing also, when you leave the state of Maryland, Ray Lewis is not a football player. He's a murderer. <laughs> it's true. Like we've I, like not even gotten close to touching on that at all. And I, Eric is smiling over there because he. I'm the, I, but I, I know a lot of the older, like generate, like people our age who don't like Ray Lewis, who are like, I went to Alabama and all my friends oh, are like, oh, you're a Ravens, she- you're a Ravens fan, and I'm nah. like, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm from Atlanta, like I go out to the bars of Buckhead, like that's where Ray Lewis killed that guy. Yeah, it's that's, like when I when I've been out in Buckhead, that's exactly what people have told me too. It's yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, you see that security you're, camera right there. Yeah, it's because of Ray Lewis, and it's like. <laughs> Well, if you really look at everything, like literally all the testimony that came from all angles, uh, somebody smashed a bottle over his buddy's head and all hell broke loose. Like he was trying to get his friends into the limousine and some dude just like fucking smashed a bottle over his his friends, whatever. Yeah. We're, we're, like, we're going on a slippery slope here. But. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're that's a relitigating the Ray Lewis murder. Yeah, case. <laughs> but that's just one of those things that like, I found so fascinating. Being like, oh, like, I've and never even thought of that. There's no focus on the facts of the situation at all. It's just like the sure. narrative has just grown and it's the general 
consensus is that he murdered two people. Yeah. But I think that I, but going back to the, the original point, I think that people just disrespect the Ravens because it's a small market team. And like, no one really talks about Baltimore or anything like that. And I think Patriots fans are like some of the, probably the only team that they really respect because like, it's always a battle. I remember when actually I had my interview with Bar- at Barcelona Heartland, I was talking to Gaz and Vibs before, like I even knew, I knew who Gaz was, but not Vibs. They're both Patriots fans. Like that's the only team that like we're ever worried about. Like no matter what, um, um, we're only worried about the, the Ravens. So Dave, that's kind of a cool badge to wear on your shoulder. Dave has said that to me quietly and yeah. behind closed doors. Yeah. Which are just which one is of those Army teams. Par- parking lot, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now I got fucking, now I got Willie fucking Cologne, like on my <laughs> fucking ass. Like, oh, the Steelers so fucking good. <laughs> like, all right, Willie, I get it. You want a fucking Super Bowl. So. I... I'm rip me in half and stay in the weeds me. on the whole Steelers thing. I mean, we'll talk about it on this podcast, but like, we're gonna have our day with the Steelers. Like, I think I am not slap them silly. I am not gonna get too worked up because they won the game. They did what they did last week. I'm just not gonna like, you know, we're on the losing side. We're gonna look like sore losers. We talk now, but I'm confident as hell that we're gonna take care of business on Thanksgiving. I mean, I can't wait. I could. Who's the quarterback for the? For the the Cowboys that almost Gil- beat them? who Garrett Gilbert Garrett Gilbert Garrett Gilbert like was he in the AFL? I think so. No, he was his, AAF his, or his, XFL. AAF. XFL? His sport, biggest so. moment as a player is coming in in the national championship game against Alabama because it always comes back to Alabama. So there you go. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> replace wow. replace Colt McCoy. Replace Colt McCoy. Oh yeah, Colt McCoy it, crying on the sidelines. I think in two thousand nine. Nine two thousand nine. Yeah. yeah, that was a great game. Won by Alabama. Everybody, Excellent. everybody thinks that you know Saban's been winning forever. He has. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, was that was one of my first. That was that was, that, was that, that was my sister's sophomore year of college, and that was like one of the first Alabama games I really watched. When I was like 13 years old. 2009 national championship. Hell of a team. Fucking go that back and look team. at that roster. Damn, we're looking it up. Jay, I mean, I'm like. I'm getting you out of here. I'm getting you out of here on one question here. Your favorite Baltimore bar. That's a tough one. Honestly, this is so fucking bougie. Like whatever you want to, like I love Tark's like Tark's is a great bar. Um, But like, I guess we're going fed Hills, probably like banditos. I love banditos. I remember I came back to banditos one time and they had like this deal. It was like $5 for like a beer and a shot. Or like it might have been even cheaper than that, and I've come come from New York where it's like the most egregious prices yeah. of all time. Way more than that. Yeah, and I just I just painted my friend's wall and vomit. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I never I lived in Tuscaloosa during the summers when I turned twenty one. Um, I was just doing stuff like on campus, and so I never really did like the Fed Hill bars when I was like growing up. I was doing like house parties and stuff, and then I came back when I like was like a quote unquote adult. I've had a lot of fun. I've done power plant the last two, uh, two, um, two New Year's Eve's and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's definitely a good time, but yeah, Tark's is like a fun little, like bougie, bougie bar. There you go. And, uh, Oh, what's the fucking place in the quarry? Um, Ravens players are always there. I'm gonna look that up real quick. The quarry in, in Pikesville. Oh yeah, uh, up, up towards the facility. Yeah, that that's out of my knowledge range. 
Yeah. Pikes that's up. that's where I'm at. Two one two oh eight, baby. <laughs> Citron. Big fan of Citron. Citron. There you go. Citron. It's a good bar. <laughs> a late a late shout out to Pikesville. Well, Jake, thanks for coming on, man. We will I'm sure have you on again to to shoot the shit about a bunch of different things. Maybe out sure. maybe some more Alabama. Appreciate you, man. Keep doing your thing <laughs> out there. For sure. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. Keep doing your thing. Big fan. Yeah, no, thanks for all the help that you've given us uh, kind of getting off the ground here. And um, I know we, we kind of came to you a couple couple months ago and said, hey, like, you guys have an awesome podcast. You're a Baltimore guy. Like, how do we make an awesome Baltimore podcast? And you had some good advice in terms of both editing and both for kind of social media and all that. And we're very appreciative of that. And we're, we're well on our journey. And we could hope to <laughs> lean on you a little bit here and there in the for future. Sure. I hope these people enjoyed an hour of me talking because Lord knows like no one else wants to listen to me talk. For <laughs> well, as, no, a, as, a, as a shadow advisor to the exit 52 podcast. For yeah. sure. Thanks man. Much appreciated. Thanks, man. Back to you in the studio. Trust, trust. Back here on the exit 52 podcast. Once again, thanks to Jake Bass for taking some time out of what was a extremely busy day. We recorded this entire thing on a Tuesday um, right after he had an entire day at Pinehurst at the Barstool Classic, as you could hear. So thanks to him for jumping on. As we talked about, Jake, a big role in, in one of the biggest golf podcasts out there. And as you said, Banks, huge week for golf. It's Masters Week, which feels very bizarre to say on here on November 10th as we record this. But we roll into what is just heaven for every golf fan, and that is watching, sitting on the couch and watching the Masters at Augusta National Golf Club. One of the interesting about this podcast, like I mentioned at the top, you and I, Banks, have both been to the Augusta National Golf Club for very different reasons. I'll let you give some of your experiences first because this is not a place many people get to go. This is one of the harder tickets in sports or harder venues at all to go play. And I think you can just step on that golf course and play or even like find a member somewhere and just randomly go play. So... What was your experience like down uh, Magnolia Lane, which it's, is in your Zoom background right now? It's it's one of the most exclusive places on planet Earth to even set foot on. It's crazy. And so I have not been to a Masters tournament. I actually have been on the grounds of Augusta National Golf Club in the year 2020. Uh, they're not even going to be patrons patrons at, uh, at this year's tournament. So there's very few people who have the honor to say such a thing. Believe it or not, I was a finalist for a job interview at Augusta National Golf Club back in late January. Um, for those who don't know, I don't know why anybody would, but I'm, I'm an accountant by trade and they had a staff accountant position. So I had gone through a series of interviews over Zoom. Um, this is pre-COVID to, uh, to be an accountant at Augusta National Golf Club. And I didn't really talk about this or broadcast this on Twitter or do any of these things because it's it's Augusta national and it's supposed to be very secretive. And I was a candidate and I didn't want to put my name out there and, um, you know, kind of mix the two things in terms of what I like to do in my free time with this whole, whole world that I have with the blog and everything in my professional life. Anyways, whatever. Um, they flew me down there and, um, they told me that I would go in through some administrative entrance or something. And I do an interview, blah, 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 blah. Um, they pick me up in a van from the hotel that I had stayed at in downtown Augusta. Um, take me down there. I'm just driving in the car. I'm in interview mode. I'm in my suit. I'm just trying to get all you know mentally prepared, but also I'm mentally going crazy in my mind because Augusta National, I'm going to set foot on the grounds. It's going to be crazy. Like, what am I going to be able to see? 
just as a golf guy, stupid excited for this. Um, so my heart's racing, but I'm also just trying to get ready for the interview. And the, the, it was like a Mercedes van that I'm sitting in, in the, in the passenger seat. And we're just driving along this road, very unsuspecting. He turns his left blinker on. I'm kind of looking down on my notes. Um, he starts to turn left. And I suddenly realize we're not going in through the administrative entrance. We are going right down Magnolia Lane. We just like, you don't realize you're driving along Washington Road and it's just like a wall and it's very unsuspecting. And next thing you know, I'm turning and I'm just looking right down the iconic view that you see on TV every single year. It is Magnolia Lane. You see the, the, the Masters logo on the circle at the end of the lane. Everything is pristine. There's a guard. You go up, you see a guard. And this guy is the most put together, intimidating, kind of like state trooper looking guy. And he just has the entire vibe you would expect. Um, let's me in, whatever. We go down Magnolia Lane. I'm losing my mind the entire time. Trying not to fanboy because I'm also a candidate for a massive job interview here. Um, snapped a few photos. Maybe we'll pop that on the video of this podcast or whatever. Um, did my interview. I mean, we went to the administrative building after going down the Magnolia Lane and kind of looping around. We went past um, people. I don't know if people realize this, but those trees that line the one side of Magnolia Lane is the members range like if you shank a ball if you slice a ball from the members range you can easily hit any car going down magnolia lane it's just you figure that the trees just kind of protect those cars anyways you loop around and you go right by the tournament range this is what you see on tv i'm looking at it actually right now um on the tv that i'm looking at um and i could have like opened the passenger door and fallen onto the range just absolutely fallen right onto the range of this pristine grass it's everything everyone ever says it is um i did get a couple glimpses glimpses between buildings of the course itself and it was i mean immaculate but i didn't get to actually like walk out there and that's what i really like eats at me and that's what taylor's going to talk a little bit i think about his experience of seeing the course itself but i went to this administrative building it was it's been built in the last two years it is like four stories high and it was like empty because they had maybe 10 to 15 employees they had a few accountants and they had a few like people with specific jobs their cfo is the cfo that opened the outlander falcons stadium that came up with all the cashless uh transactions and the and the fan affordable prices and all that stuff so the Augusta National is very forward thinking in the way that they're doing so many things. Um, and Taylor, you were talking about it before this podcast about how put together their social media messaging is in terms of their videos that they're making and how it's very much just within the voice of that just aura that is Augusta National Golf Club. And so this person who, who I'm on this interview with is look is like showing me how much open space there is in this building because they're planning to expand that much. I mean, they had only filled this office with 25% of what they expected to because they had all these plans for how much they're gonna grow the game of golf because one of their biggest missions is that they're going to expand on amateur golf around the planet. Um, not just because they started with this women's tournament that they started last year. And um, there were a couple amateur golf tournaments around the country and like the Pan Americas and, and Asia that had been in some financial straits. And so the master's tournament said, Hey, we have the funding. We're going to donate some money. We're going to take this over, help run it, facilitate it, whatever. So 
they have this entire vision of what they want Augusta National Golf Club to be. And it's very different and very progressive from what the snobby old um, kind of checkered past that Augusta National Golf Club has, um, which is, yeah, that's a whole thing in itself. But um, I, I mean, I did this interview. I thought I crushed it. I, you know, I, I saw you like the next day, Taylor. And I was like, I think I more likely than not had gotten this job. Turns out I didn't get the job. Obviously that stinks, but I got an unbelievable experience out of it. Um, they, you know, drove me back to the airport after the interview and uh, gave me a sandwich to go from the clubhouse and a cookie. And Dustin Johnson was in his interview today talking about how good the sandwiches are. Best sandwich I've ever had in my life. It was a turkey club. <laughs> bacon. I'm telling you, it was unbelievable sandwich. And uh, the chocolate chip cookie was even better. And um, unforgettable memory that I'll never forget. And uh, I plan to go back sometime and, and as a patron and, and watch some golf. You will be back. You also had the opportunity that weekend to go to the Waste Management Open. So you had a hell of a golf. Uh, I did. I you had did. a hell of a golf couple of days. Oh, here's <laughs> one more thing with that whole thing. They flew me down. I had the plans to, to fly out to, uh, to Phoenix to go to the Waste Management with you, Taylor, and some other buddies. Um, my flight costs X amount of dollars, whatever. They, I asked for them if they could uh, send my second flight to Phoenix instead of back to Baltimore. And they, uh, they said, sure. Um, we'll have you write a check to us for the difference of the flight of what it would cost between Baltimore or Phoenix. It was like an extra $55 or something. They, they made me pay that extra amount that versus the flight from Baltimore, which I think was a little crazy, but Augusta national golf club. Just, golf club. Yeah, they don't get walked over. No, no, no free rides. Not gonna, no free rides at Augusta National. As you said, I also have had the chance to go there. Um, I, I went to the 2014 Masters, had the chance to go to the last two days. Um, went with my dad and my younger brother. Um, and it is really an incredible experience um, to go there. Um, as you said, it's one of the more exclusive um, venues for really anything. Um, and, and even to secure, it's not like a regular ticket. You've got to apply for tickets or you've got to get it at an auction. You can't just go to StubHub and like buy tickets for the masters. It's, it's a, it's an incredibly hard thing to do. So to be able to go there, um, and experience just the, the aura and the majesty of the place. And those are big words to throw out about something involved with sports, but that's really what the masters radiates. I didn't go to a great masters. Uh, Bubba Watson ended up winning his second masters and it really wasn't that dramatic at all at the end. Uh, he ended up winning, I believe, by three shots. Jordan Spieth was involved, um, which didn't play well. Bubba kind of outplayed him on the final day. But just to be able to go there, and, I, and it is one of those places, and I don't need to go through seeing all the course. Everyone knows the course. It's, it's as incredible on TV. It's even more incredible in person. That kind of described, sums it up. But it's one of those places where if you have any chance to step on the course, watch a practice round, go there to watch their women's amateur tournament or their putt chip and, you know, chip and putt thing with the, with youths go like go. If you got to fly, if the only chance you can go is a Wednesday practice round or a Tuesday practice round and you got to fly there Monday night and come back the next day after you're there all day, you got it. it. I mean, if you like golf or you like watching the masters, even if you don't like golf that much and you just like this tournament, you, you have to take the opportunity and you have to drop everything to do it because it is 
as advertised. And if you're actually at the tournament, the concessions are all really cheap. That is all true. It is. They're all really, really good. It is just a pristine place to go. So I'm telling you, every, I was lucky. I got lucky. Yeah, got you were lucky. And I was lucky too. And everything that they do, everything is, is like top class, world class, the best you could do it. Like everything is the, the it's all about the, the tiny details have to be exactly this. It's like the way they manicure the rough, the, not mm. a single blade of grass could be out of place. Every single process about my job interview process was like minute to minute. They literally had a minute to minute itinerary for when I flew in from BWI to Augusta, Georgia, when I would go to the hotel and like when I would check in, like it was literally just minute to minute. Mr. Black would get picked up from this, that, and the other and, and go to the Augusta National Golf Club at this minute, that like everything. It was all printed out on itinerary, like just, and I could see everything in the building that I went into and did my interview. And it was just like, just pristine. Everything about it was just the best it could possibly be. And that was the messaging and all the, all the people I talked to was just, we want everything to be the best. And that's exactly what, what they do. Yeah. There's not a lot of things that, that elicit emotion just by walking in. I was very emotional when I walked in on the Saturday the first time that like, it was like, and there's a few other, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple other things that have done that. The masters has maybe done that, done that the most. So a very, very cool experience. So RDT, you got to find your way down there. I I have a cup. I had a boss who went down. Um, I maybe, I want to say 2015 or 2016. He went down and he did the same thing where like he'd apply him and his dad had applied for, Oh yeah. People like years and years, 20 years. And this is the year. So they got him. Um, and you know, I guess he saved up all the cups that he had, you know, from throughout the day or whatever, and brought maybe back a stack of like 10, 12 cups. And just when we walked into the office, I remember them like sitting there and it was like, it's just free for, you know, free game. It's like, if you got one, you got one. So I ran over and grabbed one. So it's it's a it's a hell of a water cup. I'll say that it's a very uh, a very they, nice you know cup. So. Everything everything's got to be top class. Everything's got to be top class. It's With not that, like a normal plastic cup. It's not nope. flimsy. It's like a it's a it's definitely a cup that that. And I they're literally the cups you get the consent. Like if you just go up and get more and more drinks, you just stack. So everyone's just walking around with stacks of cups mm-hmm. because they're just stacking all. Like we were doing that. Like we my parents at my parents' house. You know, we probably have, you know, five or six of these cups, maybe more. Cause you're just stat. My dad was like, my dad had been before. He was just like, just keep stacking the cups up. Mm-hmm. We'll just take the cups back. So it was great. Now, with that said, Masters weekend this weekend, we got to talk picks so we can all make a pick. Brian is very much more entrenched in the betting aspect of what the Masters is going to look like. So, Eric, you and I will make a single pick for the winner of the tournament. And then, Brian, you can expand as much as you would like to expand. <laughs> I'm going to start, and I am taking my guy, Xander Schaafpiece, <laughs> to win this tournament. <laughs> I said before the year he was going to win the Masters. I said last year, I believe I said it to you, Brian. I said it last year he was going to win this tournament. I have not wavered over the nine months we didn't play or eight months or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. Xander Schaafpiece is finding the flat stick this week, and he is taken home. The green jacket for all of us X heads. I just made that up, Eric. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm part of me wanted to pick Tiger just so we could we could oh, get that yeah. that because I mean I I'll tell you what 
there's still no rush that I've had in the last couple major sporting events as watching Tiger Woods that whole back. And, like, the press conference today with him, I don't know if you guys saw it, him talking about, you know, 18 and walking up and him getting emotional and, and all that stuff was, was great. So I wanted to do that, but I, I mean, I have to go Bryson. Like I, I gotta go, I'm going to go chalk. I, I got to pick Bryson. He's playing really, really well. And yes, he is. He, I mean, you know, who knows what, what's, what's now he going to use a 48 inch driver or whatever they said. He's debating like, putting that into play, but yeah. it's going to be a longer driver than most players use regardless. There was someone, he, someone who was it? One of the, some announcers said that he would like jump down from the tower naked if Bryson it drives. It was it. Yeah. Nick Faldo. Yeah. If and he, he drives the first green. If yeah. he drives the green. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be. I don't see that happening. Even Bryson today in his interview said on the first hole, because the the interviewers were literally asking him like hole by hole, what do you see yourself hitting into each of these greens? Like, what did you hit in your practice round into each of these greens? And he said 60 to 70 yards on that first hole is what he was hitting in, which That's is already a preposterously short distance. Like this is a 450 yard hole, I think. I mean, like, um, everyone's the watched the first hole and everyone's watched the first hole it's not like you're seeing people hit, you know, short shots in that. I mean, that's a tough no. approach into the first. Yeah. So he's hitting balls that are well beyond what are supposed to be the obstacles that are in the landing areas of all these drives, uh, which is the entire benefit of how, what he's been doing. If you've been under a rock, Bryson DeChambeau has been just pumping iron the entire time and doing all <laughs> kinds of stretches. And he's always been experimenting with golf clubs or whatever. And the result is that he's been averaging 345 yards off the tee all season, which is just, just absurd. It's just silly. And um, that number's only been growing because he's apparently been getting stronger and stronger with each tournament because he's just been working out relentlessly. And he's, uh, he even said today that, you know, a couple of years ago, he kind of foresaw this mission that he wanted of bulking up and adding all this difference and just gouging golf courses the way that he is. And he, he didn't anticipate the results to come this quickly. Like he's bulking up faster. He's swinging faster than he expected to at this point in his quote unquote journey. So he is the story this week somehow, because last year tiger won in probably the greatest masters that we'll ever remember um and in, even the masters itself was an unbelievable masters tournament regardless of who the winner was because there were guys that were all in the mix and the amount of guys that found Ray's creek there on 12 it was just an awesome awesome tournament and the story going into this tournament should be tiger defending his first masters championship in in 14 years and Bryson DeChambeau has stolen the storyline. He's absolutely stolen, stolen the, the spotlight here. And pretty much, I mean, I watched probably a dozen of the interviews here on Golf Channel today of the Masters coverage. And every single person got asked about Bryson. Every single one about what the distance is and, and how that affects how their mentality of the golf course is and how they play. And I don't know what the hell they're supposed to say. Like, oh, yeah, what am I supposed to like? add 30 pounds of muscle overnight to suddenly match up with this guy. Like what are they supposed to say? Um, so he is the story. He's the favorite for that reason. And um, there's probably some merit to that. And he's been playing unbelievable golf and he, the way he made wing foot look like his bitch, you know, last month was absurd. So with that said, I do have my own pick. 
I was gonna and, say, give us the pick. Yeah, dude, I'm going on and on about this. I could talk about the Masters forever. We could uh, do a separate podcast about we it. We certainly could. My pick this week is Justin Thomas. Mm. Masters tournament is a second shot golf course. That's Augusta National, always has been. I'd rather take the best iron player on the planet, Justin Thomas, from 150 yards than I would Bryson DeChambeau from 115, 120. The thing about Bryson is as he's getting stronger and stronger, he's having to recalibrate what he's able to do with each of these given clubs. I know that's what he's all about. He's about the tinkering and stuff, Mm -hmm. but Justin Thomas has been pretty much the same size, same weight, swinging the same speeds for the last three, four years. And he's been one of the top three or four best players in the world throughout that time period. And so he's able to go into this tournament and just play his game that he knows he's playing. He's, he's consistent. He's been knocking on the door, winning a tournament the last few weeks on tour. I just think that it's a second shot golf course. His short game's phenomenal. He has the stuff he's due to win this tournament. He's going to get a green jacket at some point. And I just think that um, that's that week is going to be this week. So um, if I had to pick somebody from longer odds, I'm going Tony fee. Now that's just me. I'm a big Tony guy. Yeah. You're the biggest Tony guy on the planet. I, mm-hmm. I have to be a Tony guy. Cause, cause I mean, I've already sunk enough money into all those near, near wins that he's had. And I'm just not going to miss the boat when he finally does win one. And why well, would he be? not his cousin too? That's correct. And Jabari Parker too. Um, is he really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Never I think there's one more too. I can't remember. Uh, but Tony Finau's played in two masters. He's top 10 in both. He's gone tied for 10th, tied for fifth. And uh, he can hit, hit the snot out of the golf ball, just like Bryson can not quite as far, but he can bomb it. So all time. Oh my God. Did you see that moment too? When he oh my God. dislocated his ankle that was it the par three the par three tournament. Par three. He used the whole two years ago. Year. Right. Oh yeah. When he had his, then he played great. He played yeah. great. Played great. Yeah. He was, pretty much swinging with no weight on that one foot and he still finished 10th good guy tony finau too seems all like time a very, great guy seems like a very good guy um we will make sure to uh recap the masters when we do our instant analysis for the ravens and the patriots on sunday obviously the masters will end before that which has kind of made for an interesting nfl schedule um i i forgot to do the announcers for the uh for the Ravens game, and it's not hard. It's Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya on Sunday Night Football. That is one everybody knows. But when you now look at this NFL weekend, none of the um, – CBS has no 1 o'clock games because of the Masters coverage. So all five of the 1 o'clock games are on Fox. <laughs> and then all of the um, – all of the – pretty much Late all – the late games are on CBS. Actually, there are three Fox games. So Fox has a, a, has a, a thousand games uh, this weekend, and they're going to have to figure out it. So make sure you have Red Zone. Really, just and Nance, sure Nance not doing NFL. Nance will not be doing NFL. So we call uh, for Tony. Is it? Yeah, what Tony it a, doing? So I don't know what they're doing with Tony. Week off. He's getting oh, a week they're off. Get, he, yeah. They're going to week off. So when Fox does that, when Fox gets Buck out of there, they always move up somebody with Aikman. So they're just giving. They're letting Tony. Just kind of move along instead of work with Tony. Else. Does what Tony wants. He's probably uh, playing that, golf. That he on might Sunday. be. He honestly might be down at Augusta. I don't think that's out of the question. I don't but think I'm it sure, is either. But he's probably. I'm sure he's probably with his family. But, uh, but it doesn't matter for the Ravens. There's no. There's no need to uh, worry about that because you know who you're getting. If you're an Al Michaels, Crownsworth person, that's who you're getting. So, um, that is our our Masters preview, and we will review on Sunday. We will finish off the episode this time. 
with we have no mailbag this week. We have no go off this week. We have no additions to the list this week. We do have Nick Caner Medley, Maryland man, person, woman, child. Um, what is the what does Big Booty Man say? He needs every man, woman, child at the end of Big Booty Man. Every child, something every like child. that. Oh, we yeah, won't, we won't we won't digress. Uh, Eric, start off. So I got I got two right now as my right now. So this could potentially yeah, yeah, not an honorable man. Should have get off the pot, man. First yeah. one, first one is is our uh, um, a guest who's been on the show, Jeremy Khan, um, for for announcing he announced uh, I think it was Thursday so I think the day after we recorded last week that December 2nd they are unveiling Mo Gabba way down near the stadiums um, it's going to be the day before I think the Thursday game the Ravens Cowboys um, we're not saying where I believe I'm going to the event to the unveiling of it I know they're not announcing it's like they're not announcing where it is because they don't want people to show up for COVID reasons and all that but Jeremy putting in all that work to get a street named after Mo, which is pretty damn cool. Um, going to have the Ravens logo, going to have the Orioles logo on the street sign. Um, Governor Hogan's going to be there, so I can pass along any – try and see if we can speed up that that question two thing and get that going. Yep. Um, no, but ju- just a really cool um, a really cool thing that, that Jeremy is was really driving these last couple of months, and uh, I know they, uh, they, they he wanted to get that wrapped up. So I, I thought that was – a. I couldn't say anything last week when we recorded because I was, I was sworn to secrecy. So that was a tough one to sit on for a couple of weeks. Um, and I guess there, the, I think Ravens b- before th- um, the Thanksgiving game and NFL network is showing something about Mo too before the game. And then I think ESPN is doing a, like an hour long thing on the life of Pat Tillman and the life of Mo in wow. one show. So that's going to be a little, uh, those should be some neat uh, little, little picks. And then the um, my second one, my, I had to I had to give it a tie. This guy, Chris, and I think I'm gonna butcher the name, Nikic, who became the first person with Down syndrome to complete, I think, the Iron Man. Oh yeah, it was. that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I obviously, if you know me, my my brother is special needs, and and Chris having Down syndrome, I mean, it's just like an I I can't I couldn't do that. I I think I mean it's just an alt it's an unreal awesome achievement by him. Um. Really, I and I like seeing it covered. Barstool covered it. It was on ESPN. It's been all over, all over the internet. So I thought that was a really neat, um, neat thing to see. And and some some again two stories that I think brought brought a smile to my face and some some neat stories. So I had to, I had to have them tie. I couldn't put one above the other. For yeah, sure. Those yeah. Are really no. awesome. uh, Banks. I got to go with Joe Flacco. No question. I mean, that was just such a joy ride last night. Um, throwing dimes all over the place. More dimes than he even got credit for. Perriman dropped, debatably dropped the one at the back of the end zone on the first drive. Um, I thought he looked really crisp on a lot of the other throws, too. I mean, he threw the deep balls for the most part very well, but he also, I think, looked uh, very crisp in terms of a lot of the in, you know, slants and in routes and. Um, the play action rollouts. Like I'm kind of, I'm talking very seriously right now. Like Joe Flacco looked like awesome for the most part. And then as soon as his team knew that they needed to lose that game to do their thing and tank, you know, he did his part, you know, he just, you know, threw a long, threw a long punt down the field there and, uh, you know, he, he kind of, you know, threw away that, that three and out there at the end to make sure that the, uh, 
the Patriots could do their thing and uh, sandbag those idiots into thinking that they're going to um, get back into contention and they're not. Um, so kudos to Joe for letting the, uh, the Pats get back to three and five and thinking that they're going to get a chance and look out for the team with the jets and get them to 0 and nine and make sure that they uh, do what they need for the draft. That, that may have got him another contract next year. Like, um, like you said, all things, like, question. Be, being a hundred percent serious. Like he, like you said, he looked damn good. Not out of the question. My Maryland person of the week is a bit of a somber one, but I have to pay tribute to the late host of Jeopardy, and that is Alex Trebek, who has been a uh, – someone summed it up, our, our uh, pal of ours, Keith Snedden, summed it up for me in a text. That man is a constant, and that is truly what Alex Trebek was, a constant mm. in everyone's life, uh, stately, respected, um, and a guy that just brought calm um, in a world that does not have a lot of it. So um, when you, I think there are many people in that I'm sure listen to the show or in the country uh, that turn on that show at seven or seven thirty, whenever you got it, um, six thirty, and he brought a sense of calm and intellectual um, weight to their day. So shout out to a guy that cancer, as we've talked about on the show and and talked about Mo. It's a horrible, horrible thing um, and, and took him away. Thankfully, Alex was able to live a, a pretty long life and, and affect a lot of people. So we'll see who ends up taking his shoes, but had to give a shout out to a guy that I think that really affected a lot of people. We heard that on Sunday. Um, we were actually, we were together um, around the time we heard that news, Brian. It was just like crazy to, crazy to hear it. So shout out to Alex Trebek um, and everything he brought to the table. My uh, Honorable mentions here are uh, Rakim Jarrett, who we talked about earlier. Shout out to Rakim. Uh, stayed home, did what he had to do, and then had a great tweet afterwards, uh, harkening back to Michael Jordan um, when they said, how is he so open? They played man coverage, and we took that as disrespect. <laughs> Freaking love everything about that, Rakim. Um, Jim Nance, uh, because this is his week, baby. I mean, this <laughs> is his week. Hello, friends. He's in his element in the middle of football. Interesting. He's got to kind of recalibrate back towards that master's voice, but just, uh, I cannot wait to hear Jim Nance and Maryland's own Scott Van Pelt down there calling the action at Augusta national. Um, a quick shout out to the new bachelorette Tasha, who has brought classic dignity back to the show. And that is all I will say. And then shout out to my brother uh, who got a job. Um, so shout out to him. Nice. Any honorable mentions. Um, do we know this is very important actually. Do we know if Vern is at 16 Tower? Yeah, um, I can I can look it up as we talk. Okay, but I believe he is. I'm gonna take him either way because he absolutely deserves a mention as well. Absolute legend of the game. I watched the Tiger Chip on on 16 here mm-hmm. uh, earlier today, and I got absolute goosebumps. Um, we don't get much of Vern anymore, and this is our one treat a year, and it's been pushed back a little bit. So we haven't seen Vern in a while, and I'm hoping that it is the case that we'll see him at 16 Tower. Um, he's just a he's a he's a constant. He's a master's constant at 16, and I echo what you say about Alex Trebek. He's I kind of I mean I watched him my entire life kind of casually on and off, like if it was on. But in the last year or two, I kind of started coming home from work and popping it on at seven every single night and um it's just tough to see um and i know i think did we were, i don't know if we were talking about it on the podcast or off about last week and tony reale being like one of the most universally loved people in sports tv i mean alex trebek has to be number one not just sports tv obviously all tv yeah 
totally and agree. And I think I on the rundown either today or yesterday, I think KFC was like, it's rare in, in these days where someone dies and someone isn't like running out to be like, well, actually he wasn't yeah. that good of a guy. And here's like, why canceled for this reason, mm-hmm. this, that, the other. Yeah. I, yep. We were, was in the car. Um, Taylor and I were going to the same place after a round of golf on Sunday and I got the text and I just like, it's like gut punch. And I was, I was kind of glad that I was sitting at a red light when I read it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, cause again, it's like every, you know, he was 80. We all knew he was sick. Um, but it was just, it was very, especially, yeah, and and again, I don't know if I said this to you guys on air or not, but when they, cause the last thing we saw was that clip on Friday, Jeopardy tweeted out that, that, that guy who was like, I learned English because of you. I was sitting on my grandfather's lap, lap and I learned English watching you. And, you know, he got emotional. Alex got emotional. And like part of me, the second I heard he died, I said, that's the last clip that we all saw from him. And I said, I wonder if the family had kind of let them know, hey, you may want to have something ready or, you know, it's yeah, it could be this weekend or something like that. Um, but again, I mean, it was a pretty awesome clip for the uh, the last thing we saw. Um, my my lat or my uh, honorable mention is um, another another person who's been on the show and Johnny from Jimmy's. Uh, they got Triple D rolling in tomorrow to film a uh, a follow up on on the restaurant. So kind of cool. I don't know how many restaurants. I think this is their third time on the show. So nice little yeah, three feet for, for Jimmy. Maybe we uh, talk to Johnny see if we can get Guy Fieri on the show here. I know he won't be there. He's gonna he's gonna make an appearance via Zoom. But, uh, um, okay. Well, we can talk yeah. to him via Zoom. You know, yeah, that, that, yeah. we're talking to everybody else yeah. via Zoom. So yeah. shout out. Crab, crab cake egg rolls. This guy and the guys. Shout out to crab cake egg rolls. Um, oh, and I'm, also, oh, sorry, John Rob. Because yeah. that shot was fucking that awesome. Was sick. Oh, uh, well, it was great. I mean, it's just one of your worst takes of all time. What? On Twitter. Knock, you knocked him. You knocked him. You said it. You, I hate John Rom. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, but it's a, great, it's, yeah. A, it's a great shot. Um, yeah, they all they all do this the, the thing every single time, and it's just oh, absolutely crapshoot if it catches the slope at the right spot for it to go in the hole. VJ did it first. VJ did it eleven years ago. Talk about an all time asshole, VJ. Yeah, I was gonna say people do not <laughs> like VJ. But I mean, I saw him at the 2016 PGA, and he was just ripping his caddy to bits. Um, <laughs> but five iron, eh? you're fired. <laughs> um, but VJ did it first. Look it up. Yeah, well whatever <laughs> whatever yeah that's our official statement yeah. whatever our fit whatever and vj singh can take a can take a hike i mean get out of here no yeah. one cared about him then no one cares this is not a vj podcast i want a vj podcast you you would i mean good for him for being really good but he was never a fan favorite in any any nope any. masters champion though um, yeah masters champion uh i am Vern lundquist apparently still a part of the uh of yes, the broadcast crew here on that is Tower, according to fantastic CBS. news according to viacom's press website so there you have it um gonna throw a little bit of love also this is a more not not like super serious but um malik harrison i thought he had a really great game on sunday um and the clip has been circulating of him kind of you never see quentin nelson getting kind of their head thrown back in the hole when he comes to on a pole and Malik Harrison met him in the hole and, and stood him up a little bit and filled his gap and made a tackle. And that video has been kind of circulating. And I think that um, Patrick Queens kind of gotten a lot of the shine and rightfully so for what he's doing in the middle of defense, but Malik Harrison's really coming around and um, 
he was supposed to be more the run stopping guy and he's doing exactly that. So shout out to Malik Harrison. There you go. A shout out to Malik Harrison to end the show here. Go for the Terps, 52 podcast. Uh, yeah, go Terps, go Terps all day. Uh, and basketball's coming basketball media day today on here's we record on Tuesday. And like I said, we recorded this on Tuesday night. You will hear this Thursday morning. So if anything happens in the next 24 hours that affects any of the things we said, sorry, there's nothing we could do about it. Look at our Twitters. We'll have takes on all of it. I'm sure. Um, especially if John Rom does something, you know, tomorrow at a practice round. I'll have sure things to be, say about it. I'm sure. There'll be some hot takes. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media at next 52 podcast on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can follow Banks at Barstool Banks on Twitter to continue to get all of his John Rahm and Joe Flacco content. You can follow Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22 on Twitter to get takes about pretty much anything. Pretty much anything. You'll, you'll weigh in about anything. You can follow me at Taylor Smith 10 if you want to see takes about pretty much nothing except for Maryland sports and, uh, you know, other stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Make sure to listen to us. Instant analysis after the Ravens stomp the Patriots on Sunday night. Stomp them. I'm going to have to turn that little uh, mic down when I just yelled there. But stomp the Patriots. And we have a Masters champion. What a Sunday. What a weekend in sports. We will cover it all next week. Goodbye for now from the Exit 52 podcast. Go, Tony. (laughs) 